Yeah, go. One in my fucking mouth over here. Welcome back to the Pizza Podcast. We got one of the most amazing humans on earth today. One of the most amazing chefs. The owner and operator of my favorite Italian restaurant in the fucking entire world. I kid you fucking not. James Trees. Esther's Kitchen, and now you have like... We have uh, two restaurants, a wine bar, and a little fucking uh, Mott's bar at uh, Resort World. Yo, tell me about these, because I haven't been to any of them, and I'm super excited right. to go. So uh, so basically, like, Ada's um, is the starting point for everything outside of Esther's. Uh, I got with a couple of great investors, um, and we opened up a pizza and ice cream shop, because, like, I have uh, kind of, like fervent passion for ice cream okay um i'm psychotic about it to the point where we could not make it work for the prices that we charge so we lost like fucking two dollars on every scoop i was like oh we'll make it up in other places well no we we did we just lost money um but really um we opened a place in summerland it was too small and i'm like we're doing too much and we had fucking two lines one for people who were sitting down to dine and another line for people who were getting ice cream which meant the door was open all day and in las vegas that's never a good idea so we shut that down during covid and we retooled it to make it a wine bar um i'm obviously everyone knows the wine list at esters we get the weirdest smallest production shit that we can and we sell it for almost cost yeah, so I mean, like, that's a different kind of, like, vibe than all these other guys in Vegas who've been, like, juicing up fucking convention years for the last 40 years, and now they don't have a local base, and they wonder why. Right. Um, so we turned it into a wine bar. Jackson Stamper is my chef over there. He started as a cook. He was the chef at Employees Only in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, a fucking no, well. awesome guy, yeah. So he came over, and he's like, I just want to do something cool. And he, got, he worked with us. He got himself a real job. He hated the real job, and now he's back with us as the chef at, um, at Ada's. And then we have a wine goddess, uh, level three psalm, uh, Catherine Lilly. Cat uh, is basically, she runs the front of the house, and it's Jackson and Cat running a 40-seat wine bar. Wow. And, and it's fucking awesome. And, like, basically, I go up there, and we work on food, and we have fun, and we run a ton of specials, and... We do like a fried chicken day because he worked in Philly at uh, Federal Donuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's a Flyers fan. So, like, we had him do uh, the chicken, and he loves that kind of thing. And we do that. We do a crazy good burger. And then other than that, it's all, like, small plates. So the idea is you come in, you eat all this fancy food, and then you end up eating fried chicken and a fucking cheeseburger, right? <laughs> so so what is it? It's like kind of like a tasting menu or something? It's you not, have like a like, bunch of it's courses? Like, it's like a, it's almost like a Spanish-style tapas menu where it's like, but everything's you just... You pick whatever you want or yeah. you... Do you yeah, yeah, no, oh, you okay. pick whatever you want. Yeah. I, I hate tasting menus. I think they're so restrictive. Yeah, I figured you did because yeah. I always like kind of like when yeah. I describe Esther's, yeah. I always describe it as, I'm like, listen, it's... It's not like some fine dining, pretentious thing. It's just amazing, amazing Italian cuisine, just with the most amount of love and technique, which is super important, which people, you know, sort of forget about. It's yeah. it, There's a lot of technique involved. There's a lot of the same techniques that you're seeing in fine dining restaurants, but just done in like an unpretentious way where it's like... Yo, you can walk in, you feel fucking great, you eat fucking great. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I, I've, I've made and trained in uh, one, two, and three Michelin star restaurants. Like, I know what that food is, and I know how to take the techniques and 
streamline them for efficiency so they make the most impact on the dish. That's what Esther's is. It's like, right. it's like a few like really, really standard issue Roman pastas, a few like things that people need to have, like a chopped salad and a Caesar, really fucking great bread that we make every day, you know, really great pizza dough. And then we just, from there, everything else is hands off, rules off, do whatever the fuck you want. The, the main thing now is I have a team there that's been with me for three years. So now they're the ones driving the cuisine. Right. They're the ones driving the new stuff. So, like, you know, how do you open four restaurants in fucking four years? You build teams. Yes. Like, you build teams. Like, my team at El Salido Posto was so fucking strong. Like, every award that I got nominated for, uh, Steve Young uh, was nominated with me. Well, he's my chef now at El Salido Posto. Right. Guy's a fucking beast. He's great. He's just like, but he's also like the nicest guy ever. So like you never, like you can't really upset him. He just, he's like level-headed, smart, makes good decisions. Completely not me, right? I'm uh, like, as I've grown up over the last few years, like I've become a little bit less of an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah, can't yeah. lose that edge. Right. Every once in a while, you have to remind everyone that you're the great white shark, right? So like, he's great. Michael Clark came from uh, Libertine Social. Uh, May, another sous chef there, came from Libertine. And then Eric is a kid who worked his way off of pasta station to become a sous chef. Uh, like, over here, I got Steve. Uh, so, Steve and Steve. So, Steve Lee at Esther's. Uh, Pedro Pedro, who's the little fucker that you're like, who's that fucking yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just see him, like, going back and forth, murdering <laughs> everybody. That's Pedro Pedro. So nice, you named him twice. And then um, we have... Aaron, who's worked every station, worked his way up, worked his way through, and became a sous chef. And then you have Dylan, who's my bread baker. Dylan has been with me for seven years. Wow. Almost eight now. Has it been that long, Esther's? No. 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 Oh, we he was with you in before. LA. Like, he was, oh. my, he was a line cook for me at Superba in El Segundo. Okay. And he wanted to learn how to do the hospitality management thing, so he went to UNLV. I found out that he was here after, like, I had left uh, L.A., and he, we showed up together. I was like, dude. He's like, dude. He's like, school's stupid and easy, right? Let's go do this thing. So he started out as my bread baker, and he worked his way up to sous chef. He was the first chef at Ada's in the Chef's Cuisine, and now he's going to, he runs all the bread. He runs my special projects. He helps me out with 140, which is, like, going to be our sandwich shop that we're going to be opening around the corner. Which, okay. like, you haven't even seen our meth lab yet. Right. So, like, dude, like, we have, like, a crazy pasta and bread lab that we make all of our bread out. Because, I mean, we're still baking 120 loaves a day out of that little Out of baker. that little baker pride of it, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Like, it's insane. So, you don't even use any steam in that thing, right? No. So no it's, it's all hydration. But you have to just load. It's got to be full to work, right? No, it's, just, it's eight loaves per bake per deck. And right. then But our, if you put two loaves, it doesn't work. No, it does yeah, not work. Yeah, no, it does not work. No, no, but, but here's the great thing is we never try to put two loaves in it because yeah, we're yeah, yeah, always yeah. trying to do 120. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, it's really about making sure that we hydrate it. So it's about creating steam inside. So instead of having fancy steam and doing all that shit, I got a $2 spray bottle, and I spray the roof of the fucking oven when we load it in. Right. And then after 20 minutes, I fucking vent the deck to create the crust. Right? So you hydrate the outside, you get all your fermentation bubbles, 
you fucking lock in all that moisture and then you're at 88% hydration on your bread, right? Which is for, for everyone who doesn't know, um, basically hydration level is the amount of water to flour and what it's eating. And we also do a overnight fermentation. So we're using super fresh flour, super hydrated, and that's what gives us this really crazy fluffy texture to our bread on the inside of it. Uh, because in Vegas, we don't have humidity to work with. We don't have all these other things. And people are like, well, why doesn't anyone make good bread in Las Vegas? It's like, there's no fucking water in the air. So we have to inject the water however we can. We use um, really good flours from uh, Central Milling. We use their organic high mountain uh, uh, flour as our base flour along with some rye. Um, and then we naturally leaven it, which is another nightmare process, as you well know, right. because baking bread at 70 degrees or 50 degrees or 120 degrees when you're making your batches is all different bread. So we literally, from day to day, we create a formula where we take the water temperature, the flour temperature, the, um, the temperature of the starter, the air temperature, then what we do is create a formula, add a friction factor, which is the natural uh, occurring heat from the mixer, yeah. which on the new mixer is much higher, by the way. And then we end up with a 76 degree dough that we then allow to naturally ferment. Are you using a uh, planetary or a spiral? So at first we were using a 60 quart planetary mixer, a Univex, which is a pizza, uh, a pizza mixer. It's not a pizza mixer. It's not. It's just what pizzerias use yeah. because we didn't yeah. have anything else. And let me tell you, we did. We used that for three years. Jesus fucking Christ! I we feel just really got ourselves a you. really fancy Chinese-made fucking. Some dude paid three grand to put an NSF on a 140 quart planetary uh, spiral mixer, and we're fucking running the spiral mixer now. Okay. But like, we were literally running one full batch, right, of bread, and then another one, and then fermenting behind it. So we had to like time everything. And like our mixes went down from 15 minutes to eight minutes. Mm. Just the amount of power that a spiral mixer has to create gluten yeah. is so much of a different change. Right. And no one really understands that because like you're not mixing, you know, pizza dough in that mixer. Like I, we well, don't. now everybody is. Yeah. Everybody's buying spiral mixers. I mean, uh, the mixer that Vinny Rotolo has, yeah. I've been pushing lately. Uh, <laughs> it's like an Empire mixer. Yeah, and I love Empire. The way the Bacon bar Company. is, the way everything yeah. is, it's fucking incredible. And it's so much less friction because on yeah. a planetary, you're banging the fucking dough. You're beating the, dough. Shit, you're out beating out the, the shit out of it. Yeah. So you're raising the temperature yep. so much. Like, it seems like I'm pretty sure gluten at like 71 degrees does not want to like... No. Do it anymore. It like, doesn't. So. Like 76 to 78 is our target every single day. And then we, the, the factor that always changes here in Vegas, especially around July, August, September, is heat and humidity. Right. July is humid. August, is it? July is monsoon season here. Really? Dude, so you're like, you're mixing at 110 and 80% humidity. I thought it never got humid here. It's so nasty. So nasty. It's just so nasty. Jesus. So you get to deal with that, and then you deal with, in September, you have that dry heat. It's 120 degrees outside. Your air conditioning is condensating like a motherfucker, and you're trying to make this dough the same every day, and it's fighting you, and the natural yeast is fighting you, right, at the same time, because your ferments ferment at a different temperature based on air temperature, not based on anything else. Right. So... During September, 
we mix every 12 hours instead of every 18 hours. So it changes our scheduling for our bread bakers based on what the fucking outlook for the temperature of the day is going to be. I, I just did a, uh, I helped out a friend, like I could call it a consulting job, but it was really just me and helping out a buddy of mine. Yeah. Um, but he, they were making like pizza in this basement in Queens in July. And it was like fucking like 98 degrees outside. No AC, no nothing. It was literally 100, over 100 degrees in the basement. And I did not realize up until that point how quickly the air temperature converted to the dough. Like in my mind, up until like a couple months ago, I was like, mm -hmm. well, if it's 70 degrees or 100 degrees, I mean, it's really gonna take a long time for that to happen. No, because it's like a fucking body. It's like you. It is, it it's is. It's like you, and it like instantly. Every tub of dough is like another person. Like yeah, you, is another and what happens when it's 100 degrees to 70? Oh. You fucking sweat your ass off, yeah. right? That thing, the doughs have pretty much the same water content, more or less, right. as, as we do. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I had to learn that the fucking hard no, way. And that's the thing is, like, what size space was that? Because the smaller the space, the oh, faster that temperature goes up. Maybe, like, that wall to there. Yeah. Yeah, and just long and... No buenos. Yeah, bro, yeah. bad. No. Real, real bad. I was like, what are you guys yeah. doing over here? It's a bunch of Greek gangsters running yeah. the fucking place. <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, you, you never know with a lot of these guys because w what ends up happening is they don't... A lot of them think they, they, you know, they read a little bit of something here or there, and they don't know what seasonality does to naturally raised product and or even just standard yeast. I mean, because, like, the great thing about natural yeast is it gives you a little bit. The thing about baker's yeast and what a lot of people use in pizza dough is it's 2 million fucking parts. Like, it's, it's like, instead of being at, like, um, like, 120 parts per million, it's like 200,000 parts per million. Right. Right? So it's fermenting at an insanely fast rate. Right. That's the reason why people well, crave I don't even call it fermentation at that point. Like when yeah. you go back and you see guys that are throwing like a literal entire either half or whole block <laughs> open? in a Fruitive. yeah in a 50 pound bat. <laughs> yeah. Like I know people who do this. You're not fermenting, you're aerating. And I think aerating has its place. But unless you're also combining that with fermentation, like, you know what I'm saying? Now you have a product that's not digestible at all. Yeah. You have a product that's got a very high glycemic, like a glycemic index higher than pure sugar. Yes. Pure fucking cane yes. sugar. Yes. It's higher. There's And they're using the fucking Trump's fucking flour. Oh, yeah. And you're just yeah, like, Chemicals oh. that are in fucking illegal in China. Yeah. <laughs> like, China doesn't make anything illegal. Like, when China makes something illegal, I'm like, hum. And I've talked to, like, some really well-respected yeah. guys who are like, you can buy yo, bro, mate's fine. <laughs> it's fucking fine. And I'm like... Bro, it's illegal. Like, why would China make it illegal? Like, right. they don't make anything illegal. Yeah. Like, you can dump toxic waste in fucking factories in yeah, China. Like, they're go. cool with it. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah, keep it moving. Yeah. But fucking, like, super high fucking, like, sugar fucking content, protein, low flowers. Yeah. And, like, I mean, it's, like, literally, like, fucking, like, what we grew up on here eating that fucking garbage fucking Domino's and Pizza Hut's pizza. So let's know. go to that real quick. So you took off to, like, you grew up here. Born and raised. East, East Vegas. East side of Vegas. East yeah. side of Vegas. So 
Yeah, I remember us having this conversation yeah. a little bit. There was like a bunch of guineas over there, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. my best friend, Alfio, uh, Alfio Arenze, his uh, mom was from Buffalo. His dad is from a little t- town called, uh, it's, it's right on the Amalfi Coast. And it's like, it sounds like another fucking name of another town, but it's like in, on the Amalfi Coast. And, and his dad is Pino Giuseppe Arenze. He played for the Rochester Rhinos. He's, oh. He was like, yeah, he's like a real Italian. Like right. back in the 70s, he jumped off a cruise ship and fucking married this girl. And that's how they uh, got together. We had a podcast yeah. with my good friend, Mikey Vittorio, owns this like amazing steakhouse. They age all their own meat and everything. Yeah. And then he's got like an underground pizzeria. But like, that's the story of his father. In yeah. the 1960s, jumped off a boat in Baltimore, yep. ran, met Mike's mother, married her, you know, done. Because you could do that. Yeah, <laughs> that you could do a, that. That was a real thing. That was a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so he got over here, and he played for the Rochester Rhinos. And my favorite story about uh, Pino is, like, he's always been the best soccer player anyone's ever seen. When we were growing up, like, all the fucking Croatians and all the, uh, all the Italian teams wanted him on his team. And, you know, he's been a crap stealer at the Mirage since it opened and the, and the Golden Nugget before that. Like, he has one job. That's what he does. That's the guy. My best friend is Alfio. And I grew up eating Italian food in their house. My mom was a fucking teacher. She didn't have time to cook us food or dinner or anything else. Right. It was like fucking, it was either like shitty Domino's pizza or you go eat some pasta cicchetti or pasta fagiol. And that's like what we grew up eating. And then like you learn how to make gnocchi and you learn how to make uh, brajol and you learn how to make all these different like fucking awesome dishes. And they were literally one, not two, three, four generations in. And that was a really different kind of food. It was cucina pavara. And I didn't know that growing up, right? But then when I turned 14, like it was basically a time to go get a job. So I started cooking, right? Okay. And at 14, I started working in a pizzeria. I made no money an hour. The guy literally gave me like $5 a day. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It was literally, it wasn't I, even like I've had hour. that job before. Yeah, yeah. So but, but, but what you learn is like, you learn like, oh, I like doing this. So my whole life, I've only had one job. I, I'm a chef. It's the only thing I've done. Uh, did you go to school at all? Yeah, with CIA. Oh, you did go to CIA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. so I, I, I turned my shitty pizza job into uh, a high school, like, A-Tech kind of situation. Okay. Like, like a fucking... Technical school. Like technical the, school, uh, yeah. We call like it Votech. Yeah, we call it Votech. Yeah, Votech, yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah. like, yeah, that. And then I went from there. I got an internship at the Mirage. Okay. Right? I became, uh, at, like, instead of going to prom, I was cooking for prom. Like that's right. what I was doing, right? So I became a cook at the at the Italian restaurant there with Luke Palladino, uh, who's my mentor and just an awesome human being all around. He was 30 years old. He was a fucking awesome badass guy. Now he's like fucking grown up and just trying to do like the wise mentor I actually need, right? And um, and I worked between him and Alessandro Strada. Okay. And that's where I got. Uh, so my training, I worked there for two years. And then when I was 19, uh, my mom said, okay, you took a year off from going to college. You need to go to college. I was like, cool, I'm going to the Culinary Institute of America. And I had no idea how to do that or what it cost or anything else. And I got some scholarships from the Mirage. I got scholarships from CIA. And my Aunt Esther, who I named the restaurant after, wrote the check for the rest. And I had the money that I'd save from working. Jesus, wow. And that's like, yeah, but I was like, it you know, just really occurred to me because when I think about anything in the Southwest, yeah. I, I like kind of like, I'm like, uh, you know, there's not a lot going on, 
but Vegas, Vegas may was possibly be like the best place to grow up to be a chef because you got all these restaurants right everywhere. It's so you know. So in 1998, Bellagio opened. Okay. Right, and with Bellagio came Michael Mina, Julian Serrano, Todd English, you know, all the top, top guys in the world. The best. Yeah. Like they brought in the best and they fucking paid them a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was they took from the people who were the best here. The best people here were at the Mirage. So I just happened to be doing an internship at the best possible time, at the best possible place on the planet to be a cook. Jesus. Right? And I was just, it's luck, dude. It's like, yeah. you know how it is. Like, you know, the biggest thing. Right. I mean, yeah, you got to be born into it. Like, you, yeah. you, it's a trillion yeah. to one chance that you were, like, born in East Vegas. Exactly. Yeah. You know, had right this, time, had this right uh, Italian family that was, yeah. like, kind of, like, getting you into yeah. shit. Decided to become a cook. All right. these different things. They all line up together. And then we fucking made it happen. I went to CIA. Uh, and then the people who I was at CIA with are still great chefs today. Adam Sobel, Gerald Chin, fucking Bradley Ogden's son, uh, Todd Williams, uh, fucking, and like all these people who I was surrounded by, Chris Cipollone from Francie in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. is like, he was in my class at CIA. We've known each other for 22 years. It was the right place, right time. We pushed each other. I had a great time at, at school because I already had a really solid foundation. So I was growing and building off of that where a lot of kids were like learning to pick up a knife. And I was like, should I just make the consomme? Do I really need to take this fucking class? And Hold we had on a really sec. good opportunity. You need me? Nah, I was gonna grab some bag, but I don't know. Go ahead. Go grab yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things are happening. People are coming through. We got the podcast yeah. on. Uh. Yeah, it is what so it is, man. how old are you now? 41, just turned like last okay. week. Okay, 41. So yeah. now, what, how old were you? How long has this been open? Uh, uh, coming on four years. Four years coming, coming on. Four on. Years. So four years in January. So you were 37 when you opened it. Yeah. And is this your, that was your first restaurant? That's it was the first restaurant that I owned. That you owned. Yeah. I mean, I've consulted on projects. I've been a corporate chef. I've run plenty of restaurants. That wasn't it. But I literally, that's what I did. The only time I wasn't a fucking cook or a chef, I took a break and I was the culinary producer for... Uh, for Hell's Kitchen for a couple seasons. Okay. Right? It was like after, like, I got fired for the third time by Michael Mina. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was always, always super funny. I got fired at the... What does that mean, culinary producer? What would you I do? Basically, you fucking, like, come up with the challenges for Hell's Kitchen that they, okay. there's no way they could possibly do. Right? right. And you're just like, make them try to do this. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Right? Well, you come up with these things and then, like... Ramsey's too busy to be, like, taking care yeah, of that you know, by himself. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, if we, we did two seasons <laughs> of uh, Kitchen Nightmares, so they flew me around the country... And oh. gave me food poisoning while I looked at these shitty restaurants. Like it was like that. Yeah. And then we like I'd write the menu with my friend Andy, and then like we'd come in, we'd show up, and then we'd like day one, day two, day three, fucking get the fuck out, go to the next one. Day one, day two, day three, get the fuck out, go to the next one. And we did like 26 episodes of that, and I hated it. I hate, yeah, apparently, I, I hated apparently it. Gordon Ramsay hated it too. I read a uh, yeah. press release. I think it's like sort of bullshit though like i i get what he was going through but like no, right after he announced he was canceling hell's kitchen what was it like a year later he yeah. did 24 hours to hell and back so stupid. with which is essentially almost the same, the same show yeah, it's the same but show. you know why he did it because he couldn't get hell's kitchen under his production company and that's where the real money is 
So that new Yo, show. He was making is, like 150 G's an episode at Hell's Kitchen. I don't yeah, think and now, needs, bro, like, his net worth yeah. in the past six years yeah. has gone from 20 million yeah. to almost 350 million because yeah. now all the shows are under are the under production. Potato, potato. Yeah, so instead yeah. of making $2 million yeah. for talent, he's making. $30 million to sell the fucking thing make, and then they're doing the it show. over and over again. And yeah. Here, here's the cool thing is, well, I mean, like, you know, so Ken Arthur, who are the exec producers who like basically brought it from the UK to here and it was their idea. I mean, they talked him into doing fucking Hell's Kitchen restaurant here. They're partners right. in the restaurant here, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, dude, think about that. Like, that restaurant is a fucking beef Wellington factory that does $26 million a year because every tourist Christ. from fucking Indiana to Wisconsin fucking wants to show up and fucking eat yeah. a fucking beef Wellington, right? Have you seen the pizza that he's doing? Oh, God. I know. I know. I what know. the fuck? Gordon Ramsay, here and now, all right? I'm talking, there's a camera, I'm talking on the camera. Yo, listen, I'll come help you. You need fucking help, bro. Like... <laughs> I respect you. I think you're one of the greatest chefs He's ever. Greatest chefs but ever. like, yes. your pizza is fucking trash, bro. Yeah. And I can see it in a picture. It's you trash. know who else's pizza is trash? Is Wolfgang Puck. Wolfgang, I was just gonna fucking say that. Yo, but it's fucking trash. He made tens of millions of dollars because fucking uh, Johnny Carson told him he freezes his pizza. Right. That crazy story, right? Right. Like, so basically, I don't know if anyone knows this, but Johnny Carson used to come and pick up 20 pizzas from Spago. He used to wrap them in plastic and throw them in his fucking freezer, take them out and rebake them. Uh-huh. Right? The first par baker was fucking Johnny Carson. Like, that's <laughs> it, right? So... He fucking did that, and he's like, you should do these. And then fucking Barbara Lazaroff, who is his wife at the time, you know the Lazaroff collection at LACMA is like her family. Wolfgang Puck married into billions of dollars. He didn't need to make it. I had no idea yeah. about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's the one who was like the soup line, the fucking, like the other fucking frozen pizza line, right. the fucking frozen food bullshit. That was all her. She was the business person behind fucking Wolfgang. Right? And he was just like, I put salmon and caviar on pizza. Hey, yeah. And he's the nicest fucking guy on earth. The same thing is like. like he's opening course, a spot down the street from here, no? Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those fuckers. Like a big, like, Balthazar yeah. type of place. Balthazar type of place. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see what is, happens. This is not an easy fucking nut to crack here. In the, uh, in, yeah, not, bro. I mean, making bread, making good bread isn't. It's not easy at all. Anything, and making good anything with the talent level that's out there right now is really fucking hard. Do you know, um, you can come in. Yeah, go do what you got to do. <laughs> um, so do you know the, the beef with um, the, the guy in California who supposedly invented, like, the barbecue chicken pizza and all that stuff that, that Wolf Game, right. like, stole all of his shit from? No, to was, do- I mean, wasn't that fucking California Pizza Kitchen was the barbecue chicken pizza, right? No. Oh. So there was a guy. He was an independent in Cali, and yeah. he, he did like the California. Is pizza. this one of those shit guys who thinks he can trademark a recipe? He well, Wolfgang came to him yeah. and was like, "Teach me all this stuff," and he taught him. And Wolfgang promised him, but yeah, I, it's your own fucking fault. Like you don't get the right contracts or whatever. Scott Conant used to sue people for putting butter in their fucking pomodoro sauce. No, it's it's <laughs> like, it's, I mean, it's complete bullshit. But when you walk in, <laughs> yeah. if you walk into a guy's place yeah. who's just like. You know, he's a regular fucking yeah. guy, and you just take his IP and fucking don't give him anything. It's like, true. that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like, obviously, you can't trademark a recipe, but, you like, can. if yeah. you just, like, take the guy's IP, 
slap a different slap thing on it. And it's just like, him. it's like some poor Done. fucking guy yeah. who was trying to do the right thing and whatever, whatever. Yeah, you know, and here's fucked. the thing is he's got a little independent spot and he makes a banging fucking chicken barbecue pizza. He'll do fine. Like at yeah. the end of the day, this, I think the guy passed away. I want to say. Need to people. The thing is that people don't understand is you don't need to make millions of dollars to be happy with your life and your product. And right. the more people steal from you, it just proves how much smarter you are. Bro, I don't even believe in stealing anymore. Like no. I, and I, I have a lot of friends in the pizza industry that it's like, oh, this guy stole this and this guy stole that, and he doesn't give credit. Yeah. I try to always give credit, but I'm like at the same time, I'm like, bro, none of it matters. Yep. You know what matters? Like, like there's, we have supercomputers in our fucking pockets. Exactly. Like, if you want to learn how to make yeah. great pizza, yeah. like, you could do it for free on the internet. Yes. You, the, Kids the, don't the, have to go to culinary yeah. school because fucking YouTube. It's, it's fucking there. <laughs> they don't it's, have to go stage in Europe and fucking live out of a backpack and no. work for free for 18 hours a day. 100% Because they not. can go on YouTube and find the techniques to make anything right but recreating recreating a recipe and doing it well yes versus doing it a hundred to two hundred times a day yes in time with the right service with the right wines with the right staff blah yes. blah 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 with a psycho like, like me screaming yeah. at you for 14 hours these a are day. different yeah. things They're different things these are yes. different things like you yeah. can make the best like cacio e pepe in the fucking world once or the best pizza right. in the fucking world once can you bang it out 200 times yes no every day <laughs> you have to every so, day so there's like yeah. there's so much more to the equation than it's just like oh i have the the, the fucking junior's cheesecake recipe right. and now i'm gonna be fucking rich no, no. you're fucking not no. <laughs> like no because that's a technique recipe yeah. not a fucking recipe recipe yeah uh, ingredients versus technique right I mean, like, here's the thing is like we in this industry right now, we suffer from a lack of talent. What we have to understand is the lack of talent is us refining our technique and being able to teach technique quickly. Yes. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you can hand someone a recipe for your dough. They can walk in there, not know what the flower temperature is, not know what the air temperature is, not know what the water temperature is not fucking know what the friction factor on the mixer is, not know what the fuck's going to go on, and there is no possible way they're making your dough. Yeah. It's 0% That's why chance. I give out my recipe yeah, all the fucking time. I'm like, here, this yeah. is it. Yeah, people tell me all the time. Oh, like, why yeah. didn't it work? Yeah. Uh, did you use the 96 dough cans, like I said? Exactly. Oh, no, I used trays. Well, I told you you had to use those. Now I got to fucking fix the recipe so you yep. can fucking use trays, and right. it's going to add time. Right. Like, yeah. So, like, we, we did a little bit of uh, consulting for another chef down in Houston, and I had to send Dylan. I was like, I'll send you the dough doc. Like, I don't have time to go to fucking Houston. I'm not, right. just not doing it. But you want this? This is what you want? Okay, cool. We'll go down there, and we'll write you formulas. And we went down there, and we went down there. Five days, we wrote five formulas, and they had beer pizza. Like, literally, pizza made from beer, no fucking yeast at all. Right? Okay. They had, yeah. Like, literally, Wait. we took beer, fermented in flour, oh, we started okay. the hydration, right. and then started them starters. So we made them a beer-based pizza we made them our natural uh yeast starter mm -hmm. and then we also made them a focaccia bread um and then we also made them um a semolina roll okay so we did those over the five days but i mean it was fucking raining 
right? So I'm like, now he's got to fly out four months later and redo all the formulas for them. Right. Because this is a fancy It's going to change. It's a fancy celebrity chef. And let me Why don't you, you just tell them to build a fucking Dover? Because they're in a hotel. Oh, and okay. hotels are stupid. Yeah, and yeah. And this is something they want to replicate across multiple platforms. So yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, like, it, yeah, then you got to build the dough room. It, it, it's someone walk. that I fucking love is, and, and respect uh, is coming to me and asking me for something. The answer is yes. And then let me not just hand you a recipe. Let me go show you, train your guys, make sure they know what they're working with. Right. Make sure, like, that's the whole entire thing that we do that, like, is a little bit bigger. Because, I mean, honestly, I could just hand you, like, obviously, I hand you a recipe, you'd be like, oh, this is fine. Because you would understand the fucking chart and how it works and how the fucking, like, how you input all the data. But those guys won't. So, like, we went down there, we worked with them, and now they have the fucking best pizza in Houston. That's which amazing. Is, like, which What's is, the place called? I can't. Oh, you can't say. <laughs> All right. I signed an NDA. <laughs> okay. Um, so, like, walk. I, I, I want you to walk it through because I want like people to really understand. So, yeah. like, what are some of the things on the asterisk menu? Like, what could you expect? Like, I mean, if, so... you, if somebody's asking, like, "All right, I'm gonna go to asterisk. Yeah. What am I getting over there?" Yeah, so, like, I mean, I, I think I think the one thing about asterisk and the one thing about any like um. Not gonna call us a great restaurant, but you are a great restaurant. Don't fuck around. So, anything about a great restaurant is this is that it has nothing to do with the food. Okay. Almost nothing to do with the food. It's the room, it's the design, it is the vibe, the feeling that you get that makes you wanna come back. It's the people, right? It's the cocktails, it's the wine menu, it's the fucking food menu. Now, notice I've named eight different things before any food, right? And then it's like, what is this restaurant built off of? Like, we make all of our bread from scratch. We make all of our pasta from scratch. We make all of our pizza dough. You have a whole pasta room. Now I do. Yeah. I used to have that little room. Oh, I didn't even see it. Oh, you you changed it? Oh, dude. Yeah. It's like, it's giant now. Now I have a meth lab. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have like. What is it? A different space? It's so it's on the other side of the barbershop. That papered up space is gonna oh. be our, it's gonna be our pastayo slash grocery store Italian special. Yeah, restaurant. I saw the little room yeah. like back in the yeah, day. Yeah, no, that that was our like dude. That diverted so much air conditioning to keep that thing at seventy degrees. Right, it raised the temperature of the restaurant to the point where the walls would sweat. No, that's how dude, it's Vegas, man. Yeah, like that wall on the back. Well, what is it? It's like a hundred and. 10 degrees yeah, outside. It's 113 right now. It's fucking yeah, yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And yeah. you're like over here trying to make competition, though. I'm just like, fuck me. Well, Vinny's <laughs> got that fucking air conditioned yeah, room. Exactly. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm good <laughs> at that. I just like lowered the temp to like 63 degrees. I'm like, so fucking happy. All Vinny Rotolo. It's be like raining in his hallway. This is my friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be like, who the fuck turned down? Well, Vinny's like, Vinny reminds me sometimes of like a fucking old, grumpy fucking grandfather. Yes. So. Love him. So, like, I could just see, like, he's probably walking in the dough room right now. If it's, like, a little crack, he's like, this fucking motherfucker, he raised me below my temp by fucking six degrees. This fucking asshole. It's my fucking dough room over here. Have you seen him when he puts on the Robert De Niro glasses? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. I was, like, look at him, like, I just can't even talk to you right now, bro. It's not even a thing. Vinny's hilarious. You know, I got my own room in his house. I got, there's a Nino room. It's in solid. his house when it's I got to No, it's great. I met Vinny, like, uh, I, so I knew him on Instagram. I saw him, you know, on social media or whatever. 
and we were doing the longest uh, pizza thing where we had to make yeah. this like 3,000 foot. Oh, I remember foot. that with the yeah. fucking, yeah. With the, f- yeah, all that fucking shit. John Arena so, and fucking Tony. Yeah, and Tony Giuliani, all those guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a part of that, and it was happening 10 days after the convention. Right. And this is when Benny was at Evil Pie. Yeah. So I, like, just, I was like, yo, send me your number. He sends me the number. I call him up. I go, listen, um, I'm going to stay at your house for like seven days because I don't feel like flying back to the East Coast. And we've never met each other. Yeah. And he's just like, wait, wait, what? And like before he can even say no, I'm like, listen, Vinny, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. We're going to have a good time, blah, 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 blah. And I literally just like crash into this guy's house in his entire world. He's running around evil by like doing books, making pizzas. I'm like at the fucking bar drinking Fernet and water in the fucking basil once in a while. Um, And yeah, yeah, it was a great thing. But um, I mean, that was a yeah, great time, man. That's when that's when we met. That's when fucking yeah. Like, yeah I, the next time, yeah. well, I think it was the next time the next I came time back. That's when we yeah we met. I mean, like I remember when he when Vinny was still at Evil Pie, we were hanging out because he's part of the downtown East Fremont people. Right. And then he was like, I need to get in this neighborhood. I need to get in this neighborhood. And he saw where I was building, and like this is probably even I met Vinny before we even opened. We were R and Ding pizzas in fucking at a. A John Arena spot. Oh, really? Uh, on Skypoint. We were R&Ding bread out there as well. Okay. And so, like, that's where that combination of people came from. Is like, that's where I met those guys. That's where I met John Arena. Like, I, I had, I never even, I was like, I need someone with a bakery. Like, so that way I can work on bread. Right. And John was like, come on over. Meet Chris. And then, like, the nicest fucking human beings. And they realized, like, we're going to show up at 5 a.m. every day and bake one loaf of bread. And we would go up there and we put the fucking, we has that great empire baking uh, deck yeah. out there, right? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we would go, we put one on, dink, and we just sit there and watch it. <laughs> just like, okay. <laughs> and we like, they thought we were, like, like his AM prep guys who were doing like the doughs and everything, they thought we were nuts. Right. And we were just like literally take the bread out, throw it in the trash, leave, come back the next day with another bread. Seriously, like for weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, the worst part was when we opened up Esther's, um, we didn't have our mixer yet. Okay. Like the mixer didn't have the right bowl with it and it didn't have the right arms. So for six weeks, Dylan hand mixed all the bread for Esther's. He would fucking divide it. We'd put it in the walk-in. He'd wake up at three in the morning. He'd come over, grab it, put it in his car, drive to Sky Point, bake for the day, come back, and then start making pasta for the restaurant. Jesus fucking Christ. He's a fucking soldier. Like, here's the thing is, any chef who says that they fucking did it on their own is a fucking liar. Yeah, You need people who are as crazy as you to do the shit that we do. Yeah, no, 100%. Because, like, I mean, you need that inspiration from everybody. Like... Vinny just did this. Uh, I'm telling him, I've been like really like strongly advocated for him to like yeah. go to the pan division with this pie. He took a Detroit um, parbate crust, yeah. sliced it in half, loaded it with chicken, fry, chicken parm, chicken parm yeah. then closes it and then dumps fucking cheese all over it and then right. fucking marinara sauce when yeah. it fucking comes out post bake. And I was like, Bro, I am fucking stealing this from you. So, 100%. like, this is the greatest fucking thing ever. Idea. It's genius. Yeah. Because it doesn't work on top of the pie. No. 
and and it doesn't work when you just like and do a focaccia in it. Yeah, but like you throw cheese yeah. on top, and yeah. the cheese is like you know they like. Well, it's a burn. Detroit. It's a Detroit, right? It's is a it? Detroit. Yeah. But the cheese on top, he doesn't put the sauce on. Right. So the cheese just burns up. You know that like perfectly yes. burnt. Like yes. amazingly caramelized the way mozzarella. You get it, out of it comes out of fucking salad matter, but he does it for eighteen minutes at a fucking right. Yeah, like yeah, five hundred twenty-five degree oven. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and the moisture from the chicken doesn't it saves. It doesn't go away because yeah. of the cheese. But it and also everything. saves the dough. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's like it's a perfect combination. And well, I love it. I didn't think yeah. I was gonna be because I mean it's one hundred thirteen degrees outside. Um, I, I'm like I need to eat like salads. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't deal with yeah. like chicken parm smothered with cheese right now. And I fucking woofed that shit. Yeah. I was like, How's what it? the fuck? Yeah. Like you know, whose dough I liked last night at the thing that you guys did already uh, at uh, Good Pie. E- at Good Pie, I almost call it Evil. Fuck me. It's gonna punch me. Um, <laughs> at Good Pie was um, was the guys from fucking Forte. Mimo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mimo's fucking dough. Yeah, I mean these this this family has. They've 30, been here a long time. Thirty years. Thirty years. Like making pizza in the city for over thirty years. Right. And what you have is you have these guys and like you get a bite of that dough, and it like has the perfect crisp. It's like, it's like every really good, fucking New York pie. Right. And you never know. You'd right. never know, because he's just so humble about it. And he's a chef. He runs Ferraro's Kitchen. He's, a, he's a Gino's son. And his fucking dough is the, has always been the closest to fucking Manhattan street pie right. that I've ever had. So I love that you're saying this right yeah. now. So I'm, uh, I forget who I was talking. I was talking to somebody mm-hmm. like at the event. And I was like, listen, right around the corner is the greatest Italian restaurant that you'll ever go to in yeah. your life. And Mimo turns around and says, what? Where? And I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, my boy James Tree's place. And he's like, okay, we like James Tree's. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Well, the thing is so <laughs> We're so, really I mean, good, too. You have to understand, like, you know, the two of those people that you had in that room last night, Mimo and Gio. Yeah. Right? I mean, they are the pillars of Italian cuisine in Las Vegas. They are the ones. Right. Their families are the ones who built Italian cuisine in this city. They were the only ones running independent restaurants. Now, they went two different ways. Nora's, which is Gio's family. Right. Right? Like, went more kind of like mainstream. Corporate. Kind of they think. Yeah. And then, and then Mimo's family and his dad, Gino, went more wine-based, high-end convention business. Mm-hmm. What they did is they opened up this giant fucking hole that I ran Esther's right through. Right. Right? Which is like, make everything, undercharge for everything, make everything affordable. It's the everyday restaurant. Like, if you go to, like, if you go to Mima, uh, Ferraro's, you're going there once a month, max. If you yeah, because you just can't afford it. You yeah, have to exactly. be, like, very wealthy. If you're going to wealthy. Nora's, you're like, all right, cool, this is kind of Italian food. Like, yeah. it kind of, like, feels like that. But no one was doing... The classics. No one was doing handmade pasta. No one was doing that. So, like, we opened this restaurant that fit the neighborhood and fit a need inside of Las Vegas. And really, I think, like, I would have no problem with saying, I like fucking Ferraro's. I like Monzu. I like fucking Nora's, you know? And I like Esther's. Yeah. They're completely different restaurants. They could be 100%. fucking, like, we could, like, one of them could be Indian cuisine. You'd never fucking know. I, when, 
like after Vinny took me to your place and uh, yeah. you know we hung out a little bit um like immediately i was like you know i went back to expo yeah. and i was just like you know fred mortati yeah. from caputo i'm like bro go to this fucking restaurant like right after this yeah. and and now we've like you know had this tradition for a long time Absolutely. obviously this is caputo's not here this yeah. year really um, so it's a little bit of a different thing, but we've had this tradition of like they throw, throw a yeah we party. throw a fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. banger. Goldsmith coming yeah. over, right? All these. I mean, like none of them are here right now, by the I, way. I know. I thought it was no so, one's fucking here. Can we talk about like last like, two years ago the yeah. fucking the party? Oh my god! Like, having the Italian fucking pizza team in the back of Esther's on the yeah. fucking patio outside fucking making pizzas with my you know my pizza guy at the time who's Casey who's now a floor manager yeah. for me like having fucking Michael D'Amelio yeah. fucking JC all these fucking down. guys you know, like like yeah. that was like that Julie was like Adriani. underground rap battle of fucking pizza <laughs> out of a fucking it was. out of Vinny's oven like we just brought all the like who cares? Just bring the ingredients out from the restaurant and have people just make pizzas out. We there. had your guys making pizza out oh, there. Yeah. yeah, they were banging yeah. out. Oh, like Justin Ford. Yeah, was, was Justin Ford pies. was like, yeah, coming out. Casey was making because yeah. Casey worked at Evil Pie and before that he was at Naked City. Like the guy loves fucking pizza. In fact, here's a, he's a floor manager and every once in a while he's like, I have an idea for a new pizza and it like goes on the menu. <laughs> Like, that's like, like, who does that? Like, whatever. But yeah. he's just so ingrained and he loves it so much. But like, we've been refining that dough for three and a half years. We've been fucking working on it constantly. So what kind of pizzas do you offer right now? What okay. about? We do, we do. Uh, so obviously all natural uh, starter, three day fermentation. We use yeah. Biga, uh, old dough in, in the recipe, like whip that in and gives it a ton of flavor. 3% salt to slow down the fermentation. Sure. We use a half percent of uh, sugar in it to like, kind of like add a crispiness and lightness to the crust. Okay. Um, and so that's basically, I mean, we're at like what, 80 percent hydration okay like Real it's high. a very high hydration yeah, yeah, yeah. but we also keep it tight right we we ball we individually fucking uh ball each one yeah you put have them in, them in the like the chinese i put them court. in deli cups Del yeah, yeah they're like I the chinese court yeah, containers yeah, exactly, we call like our pints. yeah exactly yeah we keep them in there and then we literally ferment them individually on the station right so like when they hit the top of the cup they're ready we throw away like fucking 10 doughs a night. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's yeah. just making sure that the dough is perfect. We do it. And then like we like uh, we do a merguez pie, which is like uh, Spanish chorizo, house made merguez. We use Michael Vecnine's harissa to make the merguez. Okay. It's like 90% uh, ground lamb, 10% ground chicken, which is a very uh, traditional thing. We add spices, toast them, add in his harissa, and then that's like the, the sausage that we put on top of it. Uh, we actually use our pomodoro, which is uh, Rob DiNapoli's Bianco tomatoes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That we, um, that we use for the pomodoro. We're going to see Chris Bianco after this, after this is he's over. He's a champion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great. He's, All right, go on. I didn't mean to. He's got, no. No, you're on a roll. You're on a roll. I'm fucking up over here. We use local mozzarella cheese from northern Nevada. Okay. Um, which really? Is, they yeah. make. Mozzarella cheese in northern Nevada? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. They have like, cows there? The low moisture, the low okay. moisture one, right? Uh, yeah, they have great cows up there. Actually, it's right next to Fry Ranch, which makes great whiskey and mm. beef, too. So, um, so we're using those guys. And then, I mean, overall, like trying to buy as good a shit as possible, support farmers, do all that. And then also supporting someone like Mike, who like is a great pizza maker. Pop-up pizza is fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Right? We're going to have him on in a couple days. Exactly. He's amazing. I he's love great. that fucking guy. But like, he, like, who would have thought that he's the Harissa guy? 
Like, and I taste this harissa, and it reminded me of a guy in LA who's this crazy Moroccan dude that would just come over and be like, take the harissa. Like, give me $40. I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we choose to take it. Now I have this guy, and Michael's the exact opposite, just super nice and fucking just humble Bro, and awesome. He is the nicest cool. guy in the world. I actually, because yeah. I, I got to put my producer in a hotel tonight. So yeah. I was like, yo, do you like, can I get discount at the plaza? He's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. And I literally had to like almost pin him up against the wall and yeah. be like, Mike, you're not fucking paying for this. I just, because I found out he hooked me up yeah. in the plaza. Yeah. And I found out later, like, he doesn't get a free room in the plaza. He gets a discount. He and that a kid fam, took it. Yeah. yeah. He took it out of his pocket. And I was like, no, that's, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> that like, is 100% what a Michael fucking Beckley. great fucking guy. <laughs> just like the nicest human being. Yeah. But I mean, like, you look around Vegas, and that's what Vegas is full of is like great human beings. I, I will tell you this. This is the least competitive city I've ever fucking been in. New York was a fucking nightmare. Like, when I worked at La Brea Dan, we hated fucking Danielle. We hated uh, Jean-Georges. We fucking hated that group of people, right? And it was like, oh, we're better than them every fucking day. We have to be better than them. And then I got to L.A., and we had a short time where it was, like, really like this, and we had a really great scene. And then it was like, well, they're doing more covers than you. These guys are doing more revenue than, than you. And then, like... It just started to suck worse and worse and worse. And I got out here and I'm like, fuck, dude, I love Vegas. Yeah. Like the first two people I hired were Casey and Alfio, my two fucking best friends. That's right. I mean, like, like who does, like, you don't do that, right? And then, like, we, we just started together. And Alfio always says it. He's like, at the end of the day, I will do what I think is in your best interest, not my best, best interest. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Those are the guys you need around you. Yeah. And Vegas is full of good guys. Yeah. Like, it really, well, really is. I mean, it's definitely my favorite place outside of New York. Yeah. Like, it's 100%. And I, I think the reason is, is it's like, I, I always say, I'm like, outside of the immediate, like, East Coast tri-state area, yeah. this is the most East Coast fucking town in yeah. the United States. And it's, you know, a pretty cheap Standard, uh, Dude, you know you what I mean? You can live here. You can live you here. You can afford to live in Los Angeles. Yes, you can, yeah. like, as long as you're not a yep. degenerate gambler or yeah. a fucking hardcore drug addict. Yeah. And if you are those things, you could still have oh, a room. Man. Then it's your You could still have a room. <laughs> but, no, if you, like, get a job, yeah. even if it's only, like, $20, $25 an hour or something like that, bro, that's a career out here. Yeah, like, you're buying a house. Yes. Like, you're, like, this is taking the only care of your family. in the country where cooks can buy a house. Yeah. You're a cook at a restaurant? Why don't you have a house? Bro, you know... That doesn't, that's not in a fucking conversation in San Francisco or oh. LA or New York. Oh. No. Bro, not so at all. where I live in Bushwick, yeah. which, you know, 10 years ago, like, yeah. you wouldn't even dream of fucking going when over When I lived there. out there 20 years ago, there's no fucking way I would yeah. go to Bushwick. No, you would never. But um, it, it actually used to be an Italian community. The house that I live in yeah. is like... Uh, built in 1910. Originally, when it was built, rich people lived there. They have yeah. a they have a dumb waiter Dope. in the fucking thing where like they would have servants in the basement and they would send shit up, whatever, whatever. Now all these properties, like my entire community now, is mostly like Dominican and Puerto Rican, um, and a lot of them own the buildings. They bought them, you know, 30 yeah. years ago or so when the Italians were moving out and they were moving in. Yep. And uh, but now it's considered commercial property. Wow. So it's between one, for my place, it's between uh, a mil and 1.4, 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, 1.9, 1.10, 1.11, 1.12, 1.13, 1.14, 1.15, 1.16, 1.17, 1.18, 1.19
but you can't put 10 or 20% down. You got to put it between 30 and 60% down legally yeah. because it's considered commercial property. So wow. it's like, you got to have a $400,000 nut liquid, yeah. just like here yeah. to even enter the market, which and, and, how the fuck and, do you or do that? You're running another business. Yeah. If you're running a business, the crazy thing is, like, if you're running a business and it's a business that's profitable, the SBA will give you a 10%. And then you can buy your house with a fucking SBA loan. And then you can create a home-based business. As long as 51% of it, of your house, is considered a home-based business, you can get a fucking loan for 4% with 10% down. Okay, we're going to talk about this afterwards because I fucking yeah. love that. Yeah. That sounds great. There's a way. <laughs> we're going to have to go over this. Yeah. Um, so, all right, we're going to take a really short break here from our sponsors real quick. We'll be right back. All right, cool, man. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by uni ovens uni ovens are out of the box easy they're some of the best ovens on the planet they're so portable we own a bunch we go to family parties with it we do events outside it's really amazing for our neighborhood uni ovens get up to 950 degrees with a variety of models and a variety of price points they have a model that's fit for everybody in their budget with plenty of videos on their website and youtube and their handbook that it comes with you can get started right away on your journey to becoming an amazing pizza chef we are also brought to you by Caputo Flour, Il Molino di Napoli, the mill of Naples. Since 1924, Caputo is milled to offer professionals and baking connoisseurs the very best in quality flour. They offer flowers for artisanal bakers to pasta makers, New York style, Detroit, Roman. We use Caputo for everything. Every competition that I've ever won has been with Caputo Flour. If you guys ever have any questions about Caputo, check out Orlando Foods, Facebook, Instagram, or check them out online. Leave them a message. They'd be happy to help you with whatever you want. We are brought to you by Empire Bakery Equipment. Whether you're just starting out or you've been established for years, Empire can provide you with quality baking equipment and advice. One of the reasons that we love Empire Bake is their service. Have you ever had a pizza oven you can't get fixed? Well, that's not going to happen with Empire. Empire has nationwide 24-hour service with as little as one hour to get to you if anything ever goes wrong. Passion, dedication, and experience. That's what dreams are made of. Empire Dream Builders understand that logistics of turning your baking dream into a reality. We are also brought to you by Chow Tomatoes, Il Pomodoro di Napoli, which means the tomatoes of Napoli. Grown in the Campania region of Italy, known for its volcanic soil, Chow Tomatoes is, in my opinion, the greatest tomatoes in Italy and perfect for you. The value that they have and the tradition that they represent, I believe, is unmatched. Try Chow Tomatoes. If you're looking for your local distributor, call up Orlando Food Sales and their amazing team will be happy to help you with whatever you need. Chow Tomatoes, the tomatoes of Napoli. Let's get back on because this is this is all great material. So we took a break yeah. to like just talk about awesome shit. Uh, sorry, guys. Yo, so I always had this idea. He was just talking. We were just talking about some guy who's got an auto shaker. Yeah. For Josh Molina. Josh yeah. Molina. Yeah, he owns Makers and Finders. His first spot's like literally like at the end of the block here. So let me ask you a question. Like yeah. you're a chef. You probably have the answer to this. So I always had this fucking idea. Like what if you bought like a fucking used paint shaker? And then, like, you bought empty yeah. paint cans and just threw the garlic in there. I mean, to, to peel it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Would that totally, work? It totally would work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, as long as the health department doesn't find out, you're all good. Why? Well, I mean, like, because, like, 
is that a piece of NSF equipment that you're using inside of a, a restaurant? It's like those little things, that, like common sense shit does not meet some health department requirements. Okay. I mean, it's like, why can you buy a fucking Chinese mixer for three grand and you can buy another fucking spiral mixer for 13 grand? They're the same size, do the same thing, made out of the same material, but yet one of them has a little sticker that says that you can use it and the other one doesn't. Mm. Right? And Got it. the real question was, like, why is that? And it's all about money and it's about control. Like, do you think they're going out and testing your equipment and testing those spiral mixers? No. You hand them an SOP for how to clean it, and that's what happens, and then they give you the sticker. You put it on your product, you charge fucking three times as much. Right. Right? So the paint can, yes. So what we're talking about is Josh Molina has this really cool gin, uh, sorry, it's not gin. It's a green tea Ramos Fizz on his fucking coffee menu. And he basically puts egg whites and green tea together with the syrup, and he fucking puts it in this contraption that takes the shaker and rolls it. And it's from like the 1940s. It's a super antique piece of equipment. And what was it originally used for? It was used for, um, it was used for, what the fuck did he use it for? It was, no, it was used for making uh, cream sodas. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's like, well, before they had fucking uh, CO2 on tap, they had to fucking aerate shit, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why cream sodas are the way they are. Right, because now you can make them frothy and delicious no matter what, and you get all that. But before, you had to shake the aeration into them, right? So he has one of those original machines. He's a super nerd when it comes to coffee, so he went back and found this way to go do this thing. And I saw it, and I was like, that's really cool. I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. So I had to like ask him about it and fucking show him. Can you throw the garlic in that machine? You totally could. If you put oh, yeah. in like a you shaker. Had to, yeah, you'd yeah, have you to buy like the tins, vessel yeah. to do it. And like literally so much vibration that like rattles the fucking station that it's on. It's it's Bro, that, It's been an obsession of mine to solve that problem. Like like crushing garlic, like for like especially when I'm doing like yeah. huge amounts of marinara. Absolutely. It's like I want to fucking kill myself, and I and I don't want to buy like the already peeled garlic. Like, I, it's fine. I do buy it. Yeah. I, I use mean, it I in my it. restaurants. Here, I buy it, and here's the reason why: is because I never cook with raw garlic. If we cook with raw garlic, we actually do peel it. Okay. But the shit that we actually cook, how we cook it, and what we do with it. So we take fucking non-GMO canola oil, and Vinny, no, Vinny saw this and was like, "This is fucking our thing, right?" He takes it. We make garlic confit. We make garlic confit five fucking gallons of oil, right? Four five-pound tubs of, of garlic, 300-degree fucking oven, 120 minutes, pull it out, strain it off. We cool down the garlic. We use that in cooking because now it's been super softly cooked. Right. And then the oil we use to cook in. So everything has garlic flavor. One of the grossest things you can ever smell in an Italian restaurant is burnt garlic. Mm -hmm. Well... If you control that process from the beginning, you'll never have that. Right. right. So that's the only two things that we use raw garlic in are our Caesar salad dressing, which is Bradley Ogden's recipe, which I learned in 2003 working at his restaurant Caesar's, and the anchovy butter, which I stole blatantly from my great friend Steve Sampson <laughs> of Rosso Blue. And, uh, and I will tell them, like, when you take something, give homage. Like, on the menu, it says anchovy butter. Steve Sampson on the menu. Yeah. Right? When you look at our Caesar salad, it says Little Gems, Bradley's dressing. Like, you have right. to say. I yeah. do that all the time. Right. Like, when I steal 
uh, when, not yeah. if, yeah. when right. it's going to be Rotolo's exactly, chicken right? bar pizza. Like, and that's the thing is like, I have so many stolen recipes on my phone. Like, I can't even like lie. Right? Yeah. So like my fish right now is Orata a la Contramar. Okay. Right? Contramar is my favorite restaurant in Mexico City. You go there, you have a four-hour lunch. It's super awesome. And they always serve you this whole fish grilled over wood, and then they fucking paint one side with salsa verde and the other one with salsa rojo. Mm. So, like, it's red on one side, green on that side. I love the visual of that. And I put that on the menu as Orata a la Contramar. We do our salsa verde, so completely fucking Italian version of it, right? And then on the other side of it, we take our pomodoro, cook it down to a paste, and brush it on. Isn't there, like, a... Um is it called salsa verde? What's that? What's that um, Italian thing called? Gremolata. No, 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 no. It's like um, butter and anchovies. It's like a dip. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Isn't so that, that called bagna, salsa verde? Paracotta. No, 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 bagnacotta. Bagnacotta. It yeah, means, yeah, uh, it means cooked oil. Right. Yeah. So, so basically, like bagnacotta is actually something that was picked up, and I learned about it not even through Italian food. I learned that through fucking uh, Berkeley cooking, through Chez Panisse, and through one of my chefs. Yeah, I learned it from Chad Robertson's Tarkey right. Bread. He's got it exactly, like all right? over, painted all over Bonnie the fucking Cotta, thing. Put yeah, it's on. everything. So, so we do, all right, so my friend, we talked about Evan earlier, like kind of off air. Evan Fuka. Yeah, yeah, Evan Funky, Funky who's Funky. like an amazing, yeah. amazing fucking cook. Yeah. Right? His restaurant, Felix, in um, in Venice is fantastic. They're, they're like the most It's famous. awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, but you like, it, it's, isn't it like the most famous restaurant in LA now? Like, no. you can't, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Come on, at least Spago, Mozart. He's got so many. In 10 years, when those guys like retire, fuck yeah, he'll be there. Okay. He's on, but he's on the way, right? He's opening right. the second and third restaurant. But like, so one of his uh, cooks, Corey, taught me this recipe for what he called batuto. Right, batuto means beaten in Italian, right? Mm. So basically, it was anchovies, chili, and garlic beaten with a mortar and pestle and then put into oil, usually Calabrian chili oil, and then allowed to ferment. That's what we use on allowed the Allowed to ferment? Yeah, you like let it, like the anchovies and everything, and the raw garlic will start to ferment again. So do you put like a, uh, like a, uh, what do they call it? No, no, no. This is like literally, you put fucking, um, cheesecloth over it. Oh, that's and, it. And it'll just ferment. Right. It's like making creme fraiche, right? You wouldn't okay. put like a, you wouldn't put like a waste lock. What's the thing that I'm thinking so, of? So yeah, it's a it's gas lock. Gas right? lock. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Pour so the water yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah. So you have like that little bit of water and the gas has to go through that, right? Yeah. And it stops the balls from exploding. Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's a very, uh, very cool thing. A lot of people who are doing fermentation, a lot of chefs who think they're cutting edge, who are really just copying what fucking Noma did a decade ago. They're like, oh, we're fermenting everything. And now they're using Koji and they're doing all these different things. They've been around for hundreds of years. Oh yeah. But in reality, like we just take this thing, we let it sit out overnight. It ferments, we bring it up to a boil, fucking cooks the garlic. And then we basically add more oil to our garlic oil and we make batuto. That's what we toss the cauliflower in at Esther's. Okay. And it's been a staple on the menu since like day one. And before that, we did it at, um, at Superba. Like, right. so it's a dish that kind of followed me from LA. And so we've been doing it. But I have to tell everyone, like, that's Evan Funky's shit that's on there. It's not mine. Right. Like, I'm not cool. I didn't figure that out. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't go to fucking Sardinia and learn how to make it. Right. I didn't. Right? Like, like I'm not that guy. You know, like our fagatini, the one you had on the bread. 
That is Marco Piero White's recipe for chicken and foie gras pate, chicken liver and foie gras pate. There was a right. restaurant I consulted for a long time ago. It was called Breaded Tulips. Um, yeah. It's still around. Um, they they simmered down. They actually, after I left, did exactly what I told them to do because they were Smart. trying to be 11 Madison. And I was like, no. bro, meatballs, this, that. But yeah. they were doing, uh, yeah, the chicken liver pate. That's exactly. Yeah. And it, it was very very similar to what exactly i and it's it amazing because it has a lineage like that goes all the way back like to 30 40 50 years that that one recipe right like it's never changed like the alcohol reduction has never changed the amount of fucking chicken liver to foie gras to butter to eggs to base has never changed the way right. you cook it you know simmering it or cooking it in a 200 degree oven you know those things are never going to change those those are the foundations of what it is but that I learned it from Curtis Stone, who learned from Marco Pierre White. So cool. So that's when people ask, like, that's Marco Pierre White. I think that's recipe. one of the best things to learn it. Like one of the best things to yeah. learn it, like for home recipe, and you stick it in a fucking mason right. jar and just, you know, oh, fucking yeah. breakfast, just yeah. fucking chicken liver and foie gras. Yo, bang yeah. on your fucking yep. homemade tartine yeah. bread. And fucking jam. Throw a fucking egg on there. <laughs> or or uh, my favorite, like, or jam, yeah. boom, like that and strawberry jam. Well, that that's yeah. what we just yeah. had. That was amazing. What was that? That was no, no. It's literally was, so. So like we buy Harry's berries uh, okay. from Oxnard. Best strawberry. Real tiny world. berries. Yeah, little tiny berries. Yeah, but they only last four days. Uh, so yeah, it day, looks like yeah. it. Yeah. So day five. We take them, we clean them, we cut them in half, and then we reduce a little bit of balsamic with some thyme and rosemary and some spice, and then we pour it over them, and then we preserve them. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, like, if you're paying, I'm not kidding, $140 a case for strawberries. Jesus Christ. How many right. pounds of strawberries is that? That's 12 pints. 12 pints. 12 pints, maybe six pounds of berries. Jesus. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Right, and they all are that small. They're and all handpicked. Yeah, and, I saw the yeah. whole thing. I was like, yeah. wow, those are like, and you the, know. And that family, I mean, I've been buying those strawberries for 15 years. Well, strawberries can get like really gross with like, I, so I was, I did a job in uh, Greenport, Long Island yeah. um, at this place called Claudio's a couple of years back. And they like, they have the strawberry festival. They have all these strawberry farms and like, these motherfuckers, like, giant fucking farms of strawberries. Yeah. And I don't even think, I think they're, like, the local version. I think there's something much bigger out there that's, like, even worse. But they tarp the strawberries and just pump pesticide under a fucking tarp. Yeah. So it just, like, stays there. No, you see that stays the there. Fields. Like, I mean, like, when you're driving through Camarillo uh, on your way to Santa Barbara, like, on the left-hand side, you just see those tarps. Yeah, and, and they're just hoop houses and everything else, but they're just pumping fucking carbon dioxide in there to slow down the the aging of the the fruit. Okay, right. So that way they can pick it, they can throw it into a, like an almost freezer truck and preserve it as long as possible. Okay, that's like Driscoll Farms. That's how they work, right? Right. So then you have a, a company like Harry's, and they hand harvest. Right. Like, they take everything that's left over. Like, if something's not ripe, they don't send it to market. They And they make jam it. They'll make okay, jam out of jam. it. Okay. They make jam out of it. They make the strawberry drink out of it. But they only grow, like, fucking three things. They grow green beans, tomatoes, 
and strawberries. Right. And Harry's Berries is only known mostly for the strawberries, but the fucking tomatoes. Because who's going to pay $14 for a pint of tomatoes? I don't. Nobody. James Treats. No, no, no. <laughs> you, like, this is the kind of shit they can't even sell at Erewhon in, like, Venice. Like, you right. can't. It's, it's, like, $28 for a pint of fucking, for a pint of fucking tomatoes? Yeah. Right? $13 for fucking eight ounces of fucking green beans? I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I love the guys, but I'm like, I can't ever afford to buy that, even for my house. Right. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. So, like, we use that, and then, like, our Sun Gold tomatoes are from Wong Farms. Those are, like, $120 a fucking case. And, like, right now, we're going through five cases a week. Like, we're just, we're just using them. We just go through so them. So, I mean, you're still, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's crazy over there. It's crazy. Like uh, I remember, we're a sixty-seat restaurant that does twenty-five hundred covers a week. Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> so, well, I, and I knew it was gonna happen. Like the, from yeah. the first time I went there, and you guys were doing well already. And yeah. you know, I remember people saying, you know, uh, I was talking about it with like lo- some locals that you know, yeah. people were like, yeah, but it's not in Summerland. It's in the right. Arts District. Right. He's never gonna do well. And I'm like, listen, fucking asshole. I'm, I'm going to make a little Nostradamus yeah. prediction yeah. right now. You did. You in did. In six did. months from now, yeah. the fucking housewives of Summerlin are going to be driving to the fucking arts district for yep. lunch. And they're like, no, that could never happen. And it fucking did. No, no, it, it didn't fucking happen. It did. happened in, in, in mass. In a really, yeah. And, and it a really, really fast. And we yeah. were so fucking lucky. And at the same time, I mean, like, you know, it's like what, what we saw in this neighborhood. I saw... Coffee shop, antique store, coffee shop, antique store. Bro, it's the Williamsburg, Brooklyn event. And I told, like, Vinny, when I was talking about doing that thing, Vinny was like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. I know Vegas. You don't know Vegas. I'm like, listen, fucking asshole. I'm fucking telling you. And then three years later... He's he goes, fucking right next to Nino, him. you have a fucking crystal ball. Yeah. Everything you said was going to happen yep. in the time period you said yes. it was going to happen. Because yeah. I've seen it fucking happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here's the thing is like, it's not a bunch of locals for the most part who are moving into this area. No. It's all people from LA. It's all people from San Francisco. Right. Like, I don't, like, the only people I have who are from Las Vegas who work in my restaurant are me and my two best friends. Right. Like, well, that's it's, it. <laughs> it's always been a place that people like came to to get yeah. away from something or whatever. I mean, the city was literally invented by fucking East Coast gangsters. It was. It was invented. It by was East like Coast literally gangsters. pulled out of the fucking dirt. Yeah. Yes. Some some fucking Jewish guy named Bugsy Siegel exactly. like was just like, hey, uh, what's that? They have that line from The Godfather where, where it's based on that where he's like, you know, they, my friend. Uh, he saw this GI stopover, you know, right. blah, blah, blah. And he imagined a city, and the city's called Las Vegas. And there's not a memorial or a street named after him, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, El Cortez just did a big thing by correcting that, I oh, think. Right. Seagulls 1943, right, they right, put right. it all there. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but I love the El Cortez. I stay I there. Love it. I stay there at least one time every time I'm here. I literally got sick of fucking prime rib last time I was there because I ate it like three times. Yes. Like I went yeah. into a meat coma. Um, they did a funny thing, by the way, and I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in this fucking meeting when this happened. So you know how like all those places they have like the $13.99? Right. Yeah. All right. So it's a fucking big ass piece of prime rib and baked potato. Yeah, and it's 13 bucks. And they lose bucks. money on everyone. Uh, oh, okay, so check this <laughs> yeah. out. So once they redid it, so they redid the whole thing. The thing's got the red seats. Yeah. It's nice yeah. now, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's got a nicer menu. So when you open up the menu, right, 
it says the prime rib's like $38. Right. Right? But then all along, like, on the slot machines, it says, you know, the Seagulls 1943, uh, $12.99 prime yeah. rib. So I, like, walk in there, and I'm like, all right, so what the fuck's going on over here? Is it $13.99 or, or is 30. it $38? And they're like, well, it's $13.99 if you ask for that. And I'm like, what? Because they're an independently owned thing. Yeah. And I can only imagine, like, you know, they go upstairs and they're like, you know, one guy, yo, we're no for the $13.99 thing. Yeah, but we're losing money hand over fist and we just spent all this money on this thing. We can't exactly. do this anymore. Okay, okay. And this was a compromise. Yeah. If they <laughs> ask for be, it. If they ask for it. If they know, Can you fucking imagine. Vegas is all about if you know. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of things in Las Vegas. They're like, well, if you know. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Then you can get this. Well, if you know, you can ask for a, a, a lower. Like, you walk up to the fucking any hotel and be like, uh, I want the friends and family rate. Right. Like, who do you know? They're like, I know. I like, know. Man, you get a fucking $50 room at fucking Bellagio. Sure. Right? It's like, oh, shit. I didn't know that. Well, that's Vegas. If you ask, you fucking usually get. Yeah. Like, I mean, this place was built on fucking free drinks, free rooms, free shows, all this different stuff to get people to gamble. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, that's... That's and now you got all business. these fucking like Gen Xers fucking lining up to watch a DJ hit play, and they're paying one hundred and fifty dollars a head. Oh yeah, that's fucking 100 crazy. One hundred fucking percent. It's fucking crazy. It's I mean this whole neighborhood. This is like the first neighborhood that it feels like a real neighborhood. Yeah, my my, my building was built in nineteen ten. Yeah, like it was like it was like one of the original fucking buildings. Like, I got a bar here. I yeah. go over to your place. Yeah. I go to another spot. I go to Dino's. Exactly. Like it's like. I don't have to get in my car and drive. I'm, I'm, you exactly. know what I'm saying? It's chill. Exactly. Like, and then you fucking walk across the street and you're at Vinny's. Yeah. You and I, yeah. You and walk you stay, next door, you're, you're Vinny's. Exactly. No, you're staying in his house, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right across the yeah. fucking thing over there. Exactly. Yeah. Done. Uh, just like, yeah, call a cab. Like, you know, no. it's 4 a.m. Dude, like, it's the craziest thing. Like, we tried to call a cab last night. It was two hours to get a cab. No. I just put the people in my car and drove them to their fucking hotel on my way home. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking just happened to us yeah. in... Uh, uh, so we drove over here from Brooklyn, me and my producer, Brady. And um, <laughs> so Brady doesn't have his mic today. Uh, so, yeah, we drove over. We, our car broke down in Gillette, Wyoming. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a place. We fell in love with the place a little bit. But um, really great pizzeria there, really great people. Awesome. Mixture of, uh, you know, like motorcycle guys, truckers, real country western dudes, yeah. and, like, just people that raise cows. One of the most amazing things, no feedlots. So there's just, just cow, grass. bro, uh, just grass. Just grass. Yeah. It, it seems like there should have been, like, a lot more cows, like, grass-to-cow ratio. Like, they, they could have, like, probably, like, 20X'd it. Yeah. Um, but for but whatever I mean, reason, they, they don't. I mean, it's just, like, not... It's not feasible. Like, I mean, the, the amount of land that America has that is unused is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, dude, like we said, like, you could take 100 square miles of northern Nevada, turn it into fucking solar panels. And that's the and whole country. feed the entire country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've heard this. It's sunny 360 days yeah, a year. Yeah, it doesn't go away. <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 that would be great if they did that. that. I think that would be an amazing thing if that was almost like like an American interstate highway system type of project yeah. where, we, you know we, what yeah. I mean? We need that more than anything. Like, I don't want communism, but like there's no, nothing no, wrong with a country. Ideas, well, we, we have... Look, look at China. China's fucking communism. 
right? But is it they, anymore? I don't know. But, you can make a, they, but they built out of fucking communism, right? Right, but now no it's... could tell them we're not going to invest 10 fucking trillion dollars in dams and roads and power fucking plants and all this shit and fucking we're going to build a New York City with no fucking people but in But now it. it's... Now they allow you... Now it's yeah. like... Uh, it, it's... Now with China is, because now they, they've opened up the economy. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to open a business in China yeah. now, all right? You what you're not allowed to do is talk shit about the government. Yes. You, if you talk shit yes. about the government in China, or you step out of line in any 100%. fucking way. If I opened a fucking pizzeria in China, it would be called number one government best pizza. <laughs> Sold. Done. No, it's yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, you, you could not... And, uh, conduct and then, yourself and the, the way that you've conducted yourself yeah, throughout exactly. your life. No, no. Like, the government would give me millions of dollars to open hundreds of these pizzerias. Right. Right. And they would make me a member of the Chinese Communist Party and put me on the board and make me a billionaire because that's what they do. Yeah. Right. If you're all about their government, they give you fucking anything you want. No, 100%. You see that. And then but, what they did is they lifted fucking hundreds of millions of people out of dirt fucking poverty. Billions. People yeah. have poverty. Once right? they converted to like a more capitalist right. but, system. But they, it's super weird. They had this communist Because during Mao, like, we're, what was it, 40 million people died of starvation? Yeah. Because exactly. that's when it was hardcore, yeah. like, all right, we're going to do our little version of Leninism right. over here, Marxism, yeah. you know? And it's weird how that really has turned into this really interesting hybrid capitalist fucking communist system. I don't even call it communist because they're not giving out fucking toilet paper to anybody. You know what I mean? They're not like, I mean, that's what it's kind of supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, we control the means of production and we give you what you need and you be a fucking good citizen. That's not what's happening anymore. Now it's like, go open a business, go be successful, run your fucking factory, pay your taxes. Oh, you need people? We'll truck them in for you. (laughs) Like Foxtrot factories. What are they called? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking wild. We'll just just bring them in. Can can you build a a building for them to kind of live in? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It's it's definitely not chattel slavery, but it's like... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not chattel slavery, but it's like, oh, it's like not nearly as bad as that, but it's. Now it's forced modernism. Well, they have have nets on these buildings because to catch the people jumping jumping out out of the window. Yeah. Someone's got to put together my fucking iPhone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we all know that. Yeah. We did the same thing. Like we, we gave them the capital and then showed them the way. And now that they're taking it away from us, we're like, oh, wait, you can't do that. I'm like, Fucking dude, we gave them the keys of the kingdom. Oh, yeah. Like, you saw it during COVID more than anything. Like, wait, we don't make masks anymore. We don't make fucking injectables nope. anymore. We don't make our own medication anymore. We, we don't make You do not anything. make any of that shit. Like, dude, like, we yeah. need to make a once in a fucking generation investment in making shit again. Instead of outsourcing shit. No, I 100% agree with that. I think, like, um, I mean, one of the things that I saw that I didn't really know about, because, you know, I always kind of just assume, like, oh, it's just so cheap to make stuff there that that's why they assemble the iPhones there because it's cheap. It's not that cheap anymore. Bangladesh is still cheap. Vietnam is still cheap. China is not that cheap. The difference is the reason why they have to assemble them there is because they have Votex that train these guys in this very specialized To do this one thing. And you couldn't fill up... Yeah, but you couldn't fill up a room with qualified people in America for that, right. they could fill up fucking giant factories, stadiums giant factories, with these yes. fucking people. Yes. Because they're and trained they to do, do this. One thing, and not only that, but now they produce all the fucking chips. 
the biggest the biggest problem with COVID and when they shut down all those factories, the reason why we can't have more cars in America is because all of our fucking push button start asshole fucking cars run off the same chip. Mm. That chip is only produced in China and that fucking they got COVID and half of those fucking people died. Right. And now they can't produce those fucking chips. Right. And now we can't have cars in America. Yeah. And now all of our used cars are going up in prices, everything else, all the other inflation shit. It's because we don't fucking make anything. Yeah. And now we need to get back to making shit. That's well, the reason why. Like, we have to invest in it. And, and now yeah. it's like, it's never going to go back to like Rust Belt shit where like there's a million guys in there because right. everything's automated right now, even right. in China. Yeah. But you, I think you're 100% right. We have to fucking... We have to make shit. Build these factories. And here's the great thing is we need people to work those fucking machines that make shit. Right. Yeah. So the, what's going to happen now? And like we, I mean, other people talk about this all the time is like, what's going to happen to fucking the half million truck drivers? I when saying. you were driving down those fucking highways, <laughs> Jesus like, Christ. that guy's got a family and that guy's got a family. Yeah. And, and the guy makes 40 to 80 grand a year. Right. And right. you're going to, you're going to literally, it's going to happen instantly in five years. It, there's going to be no fucking truck drivers, and, but in five years, there's going to be no truck drivers, but yep. the time between truck drivers and no truck drivers is going to be like six months. Dude. Bro. Like, Amazon launched a fucking airline. Did they? Yes. No. Amazon is eliminating fucking FedEx because they're going to own their own airline. Why wouldn't Prime, they? Prime Airline. Prime Airlines. Yes, yeah, they fly all their own shit to wherever it needs to go. It's fucking too easy. When did that happen? Now, now let was me... that a month ago or was that a year ago? Wait, when did they switch over to all fucking all electric cars? Right. Right? What do you think is going to happen when they can do automatic delivery? It, they're going to do it instantly. Exactly. As soon as the technology yeah. is safe enough. Exactly. But now I got a question. We were talking about factories and, you know, you're going to need guys to push buttons. Yeah. But in those factories, because we've completely fucking got rid of the unions in this country. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, and so is that going to look like what an Amazon factory looks like where, you know, if you take a pee break, like you, you got to like right. wear diapers and all these horror stories that you hear about? I mean, yeah, yeah, or is yeah. it going to be like... Or is it going to be a 40-hour work week with overtime and, like, you know eventually, what I mean? Is it going to look mean, good? Eventually, the people will have to fight back. Mm. If, if the government doesn't prepare for that, then Americans will fight back because it's a war against our, um, a war against our state of living. Yeah, and, our, and the way that we live as Americans. Right. It's, it's a war, but now the war is not coming from another country. The war is coming from our capital system within. That's a really it's coming from corporatocracy yeah. that paid for the government. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Right. And that's the thing. Is like, and like, let's take it all the way back. Like, Lord knows that, you know, everyone's talking about um, uh, vertical, you know, vertical integrating their businesses, mm -hmm. owning the whole supply chain. Everybody. Right. Fucking tomato companies. Right. Mm -hmm. Stanislaus Tomatoes is a fully vertically. Integrated, integrated oh, yeah. company. They 100% they know are. Everything. They yep. own the fields. They own the recipes. They own the fucking packing facility. They own the distribution. They're they packing own, right yeah. now. There's a live feed oh, yeah. in Pizza Expo. Absolutely. Bro. Yeah. Giant fucking trucks. Dude. Just running. Just bro, mowing, mowing down yeah. fields of tomatoes. No, they are, just, they have it, the trucks with yeah. the tomatoes in it already oh. looking like they I think they're stepped already. Dude, yeah. You, you remember we went out with uh, Ernesto and fucking the guys at Stanislaus. Dude, their time from field 
Toucan is down to like three hours. It's fucking insane. It's insane. It's insane. And they're making multiple products off of that. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy thing is they're well, making tomato paste, fucking canned tomatoes, fucking your recipe, the fire roasted recipe, the fucking this, that, the other thing. Right. And every fucking canned tomatoes that you're getting came from one fucking place within 20 square miles in fucking central California. Yeah. And it's happening at a rate that's fucking insane. Yeah. Right. One hundred percent. I just talked to them. But that I was, used to be a process like fucking that took weeks. Like your oh, fucking house, you're taking tomatoes to can at your house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. a. Yeah. That is not the world we live in anymore. No, no, no. One hundred percent not. Um, yeah, I was actually talking to uh, the marketing director, Steve Rouse. We were doing like a pre-interview because I wanted Which, to come. Which, by the out. way, they're amazing fucking people. Oh yeah, they're, they're good. Amazing. They're the Cordo Posse family. They're great human beings. I think their olive oil is the Cordo olive oil is yeah. one of the, like the fucking best products that you can so, buy. Simply because um, now, if you're in a restaurant and you want a certain thing, that's what thing you're gonna use. I'm it. a psycho. But, I will only use Californian olive oil. And, well, and, I mean, it is yeah, California I know, olive I know, oil. But I'm like, I like, I use California Ranch Arbacino olive oil, and that's okay. all I use. Yeah, Got it. I'm weird. Well, <laughs> one of the things that I love about them is they, they kind of did with tomatoes what they did with olives. So they're yeah. able to only, there's no like, like, uh, fermented old olives right. in their thing. They're able to harvest in a way yeah. where they're, they're only sort. getting it peaked. Uh, yeah. Because the way they planted or something else, but the one thing that like, all right, so if I buy my mother, uh, three liters of olive oil. Right. It's going to take her fucking like a month or two to fucking get rid of right. that, right? It takes me it's, half a day. Uh, right. So it's different. Yeah. But for my mother, so now as soon as you crack that bottle, even if you keep it at 60 degrees in a cold, there's yep. oxygen in there. It's oxidizing. Yep. It's going rancid. They have like bag of the box wine technology now that as it's dispensing, it's sucking out the oxygen out of it. We use. Thing is, yeah. Oh, you have the same thing oh, yeah. with olive oil. Absolutely, yeah. We have like fucking brown box, five yes. fucking gallon. Yes. Boom. Turn it, like hit the button. Yes. Out. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's see, it. That's for yeah. me like the game changer. Like yeah. I think every fucking company in Italy's got to stop fucking around. With those Do that. Fucking metal cans that like react if you have high acid fucking olive oil. Right. Well, like, also yeah. they could get rid of like if they actually do that now because like. You know, they have big drums of olive oil that go out, and oh, yeah, that's how these mafia... Drums. Yeah, mafia yeah. goes in and they change it out. If they just <laughs> vertically integrated yeah. their company and started packing like that, bro, what are you going to do? Exactly. How are you going to break... How are you going to... Yeah. You know what I mean? You're yeah. going to empty it out, they're all going to come half empty? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do so you refill it? What are we doing? Buy one of these every day. What, yeah. What's going on? He's yeah. Like no, piece. it'd be fucking like... No, so you take that vertical integration fucking process across food, but now like you have, once again, you're taking people out of the system. You're taking workers out of the system. You're draining... Like, but the population keeps going up. So at some point... We have to figure out what to do with all these fucking people. Right. They can't all work at fucking T-Mobile. No. They can't all like be customer service reps. They can't. They're like, but, we need, like, but if real we jobs. did, if we did like American projects, like you know, back in the day they did. I think it was under Eisenhower. They yeah. did the interstate highway yeah. system that exactly. cost, you yeah. know, would have cost trillions of dollars today to it do. Yeah, it would be, yeah. Why can't we do a project where we get our power? Right. Why, why can't, can't we why, do a project? Why is it flooding in fucking in, in Missouri and we're in the fucking greatest drought of our time in fucking Nevada? 
Why can't we fucking yeah. move water across? Like, why can't we have big ideas to right. do these things? Why can't we create a solar grid for the country and stop using fucking nuclear fucking power so the next time I mean coal yeah, yeah and all that other yeah. garbage all that's probably contributing shit. yes exactly you know what right? I mean and and oh my gosh we might just get people jobs and oh they might be government jobs oh darn well you know yeah. what fucking dude like you know we also have crazy wildfires well you know what they can't get people to go work for the fucking forest service they're, they like dangerous. Not, yeah, no, no. They people don't want the jobs. Right. They are not trained for those jobs, and we don't train people for those jobs. We don't train people to do a lot of shit that's really, really basic in this fucking country. Well, it, it hasn't it's been insane. valued for like generations. Now you got electricians making two hundred grand a year right. because nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, plumbers, you know what plumbers I mean? Plumbers two hundred grand a year, easy. Bro, easy. But yeah. meanwhile, it's like you know, mommy and daddy are telling everybody, "Oh, just go to college." Study whatever you want. Uh, yeah. Everything's gonna be yeah. fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're go gonna get make... a liberal arts degree. Oh yeah, probably. Fucking yeah. Fucking go become momos. an English teacher and make fucking thirty five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, dude, like no. It's just yeah. it's crazy. Like it's like go learn a fucking trade. You wanna never fucking be out of work? So learn how to fucking use one of those fucking um, cranes. Be a crane. Right, right, right. They'll fly Bro. you around the world. You'll make fucking 300 grand a Dumb year. Dumb money. And you'll never be out of work. And you'll yeah. work eight hours a day. Yeah. You'll fucking be up there sipping coffee, doing this shit all day. You can just take a hiatus, whatever you yeah. want. Take a fucking year yeah, off. Take a year they off. can't stop you. Yeah. They, they're still going to be short <laughs> yeah. when you come back. Yeah. Like, choose a third world country to go live in. And then when you're done living there, go to any first world country, look up and be like, I'll go work there. Yeah. That's it. Like, it's that fucking easy. Here's one of the things that the biggest things that the government fucked up years ago that I think directly relates to us is, um, I believe it was 1973 when Nixon. So we used to, for a very long time, we used to subsidize small farmers. Yeah. Because that was important yeah, for us. Yeah. We wanted diversity right. for whatever reason we wanted yeah. to keep farmers in business well, they were getting killed by were bigger moving ones to the city but you know right. in 19 fucking in 1930 90 percent of the fucking americans lived on farms right 10 percent lived in cities right new york city and then was, that switched yeah and then it literally flipped in 30 years yeah right so and that they would subsidize you if you're small then in yeah. 73 nixon said Oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to subsidize, instead of subsidizing yeah. a small farmer, we're going to subsidize corn. Yeah. We're so now what happens? Corn and soybeans. Yes. yes. Corn and soybeans. Yeah. So now giant multi conglomerate right. corporate. So this is already done. We yeah. all know this and fucking story. And then we were like, what the fuck do we do with all this corn? And now but, we have corn syrup. And yeah, we're we have corn syrup and fucking everything. No, right? but now <laughs> these companies are multi-billion, trillion dollar, yeah, billion they're dollar they're conglomerates. Yeah. Agribusiness. Why are we still paying them? They own 90% of the farms in America. Now. Why Why can't we switch back? Like, if you want to go yeah. open a farm, the oh, government yeah. gives you, Like, if they're already making billions of dollars, yeah. why are we paying for them? The, the, biggest, the biggest move back to farming is people who are coming out of the military. Mm. People who are coming out of the military with PTSD and all these different fucking things from our endless wars over the last fucking 20 years. You got these motherfuckers who are figuring out how to grow strawberries that never touch dirt. Really? They literally, they're taking fucking strawberry plants, they're putting them on fucking verticals, hydroponics underneath, right. and they fucking grow off the sides and they're fucking perfect, and they all grow indoors. Kale, like fucking 40% of the kale in America that all these fucking white people fucking just can't have enough of, guess what? They fucking grow it all fucking in these vertical farms. 
Do you use kale? Fuck yeah, I use kale. Oh, okay. People love kale. <laughs> I have a fucking black kale salad, but like on, on like you know, it's a Tuscan kale salad. It's fucking Tuscan kale, pecorino, lemon juice, olive oil. Okay. We put a few more fucking things in there, but that's basically what it is. You know, but it's like really like we take something that's super traditional and almost like not good add two or three different things to it and make it fucking taste good. <laughs> Have you ever gone to Italy at all? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I went to Rome and uh, Rome, Florence, uh, Venice. Uh, I got over to Bari for a few days, but I didn't spend a lot of time there. Okay. I, where I really want to go, I really want to go basically down the boot and then into Sicily. Oh, yeah, it's good. That's where I want to go. And yeah. so, like, and dude, Whenever like, you want to do that, I'll hook you up with a yeah. bunch of fucking people. Dude, like, I, I'm all about it. Like, I mean, like, so the reason why I wanted to go to Venice is because my mentor, uh, Luke Palladino, was an American from New Jersey, fucking went over to Italy, fucking, and he actually got kicked out of Italy for winning Best Chef in Florence. And at oh, he was 27. Yeah, they don't like that American, fucking shit. And they were like, fucking adios. They don't like, even like it when, I mean, look at that uh, Massimo Batora yeah. guy. They fucking hated him what he was fucking doing like in the beginning. Yeah. Now they're now well, they're the thing is they've accepted Batura, it. Masuo Batura, like people like really don't know where he came from. They're like all of a sudden this guy is like the best chef in the fucking world. Right. Dude, he worked for Alain Ducasse for like yeah. 15 years. All these he bounced around too, yeah. right? He worked for a ton no, of like no, just it, top went he, to New York, yeah. did that thing, went but, somewhere but else. But that yeah. was all for Ducasse. He right. was Ducasse's. Oh yeah, yeah, he was he Ducasse's, was Ducasse's yep. fucking Italian pasta guy. Yep. And what and the funny thing was, like the biggest knock on fucking French food was that it was just Italian food in disguise. That was all Massimo Batura. All of it. Right. No one knew that there was just this fucking guy and then he had his wife and he has kids and he's like fuck this, I'm going back to Italy. And then he opened a restaurant in Italy and it's the greatest fucking restaurant you've ever been to. Yeah. Right. And and but they were fucking they fucking hated him until he became the best chef in the yeah, world. Yeah, and then they accepted right. him. But like yeah. when he opened, like there, uh, like according to what I've read about the story, there was like three four years where yeah. like it was like this isn't fucking working. Yeah, and not only is like, it not working, but this is an Italian food, and we don't fucking want it. Right. That's what they yeah. That's what they said. And they Which were 100%, and then crazy. like now he's the pride of Italy. Of yeah, course. now he's yeah. the pride of Italy, right? Yeah. It's like I wonder how the half American Ligurian raised fucking 100 meter sprinter whose fucking family is from Texas. I wonder how that went down in Italy. <laughs> they, we don't talk about it. Exactly, right? <laughs> that's you're, how it goes you're, down. You're like she's got the Italian flag yeah, on. She won. Yeah, that's yeah. it. She's fucking Italian. Exactly. We don't talk about it. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Italians are funny people. I, I own fucking three Italian restaurants. I am not Italian. Right. I tell people all the time, like, where'd you learn how to cook Italian food? From real Italians who I grew up with. That's the only reason why I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I always mention this, but like that, that book, the Italian Foodways book, I mean, yeah. it's like the only thing in that book during the oral history that kind of feels anything about like like right. what we know as Italian is like from like this aristocratic rich lady with a French chef yeah private chef yeah. who who cooked for her and her siblings and <laughs> their mother and everything like that and we would have lasagna and yeah. uh we would have uh tortellini and and brudo and you know what I mean and and our French chef and we all spoke French yeah. too because like they didn't like back then, they, they, the Italian identity was still being formed, and yeah, they considered the, themselves Piedmontese or, the or like we were talking Tuscans. about, like, like the the classic Roman pastas. 
Carbonara. 57, probably. years old? Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, don't tell some guys that. They'll be like, no. No, no. It's a coal miners. The fucking coal miners? Coal miners? Really? What the fuck are you talking no, about? No, 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 like, no, no. Fucking 70 years old, right? Amatrachiana, right? Amatrice doesn't even fucking exist anymore. It just got flattened by a fucking uh, an earthquake. Right. The city's gone, right? Yeah. I mean, like, how can you have a Roman pasta named after that? The fucking shit's 30 years old. Yeah. Like, all these things that people think are these crazy Time immemorial fucking things. The no. country of Italy is 160 years old. That's it. Not 1861, right? I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, fucking, like, that's it. And they were not fucking yeah. happy about it, yeah. like most of the country. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 30, the Piemonte, 13 different regions did not yeah. want to be a yeah. country. It was the king of Sardinia and Piemonte, and he, you know, yeah. took Garibaldi, do you, do you called him like, up from Staten Island, was right. like, come on, get over here, we're going to do something. This is the other thing. I mean, like, and that's the thing is I laugh when people are like, oh, I have this great Italian history. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there's no fucking Italian history. Come on. It's yeah. Like, it's very regional. It's, it's very specific. It's, there's a history. It's just not what you fucking think it is no, at all. It's just and like if you America's were 95% <laughs> of the population, <laughs> yeah. like when I read these stories from like back in the day in Sicily or in Italy in general, it doesn't matter if you're in Milan yeah. or you're in Sicily. It is just like if, if you're not the cheesemaker or the tax collector, right. or like the people that are serving these people, which is like 5% of the population, yeah. and the rest of it is like 0.01, that's a, a stereotype. If you're not that, okay, you are subsistence, cauldron cooking, yep. living, like period. There's no yeah. eggs, there's no flour, there's no fucking pasta. Right. Like, no, there's none of that. No. There's you you got a cauldron you and you steal what you can. If you yeah. A good fucking day is... You know, your daughter went and grabbed a couple Parmesan rinds right. from a fucking garbage can and you threw that in your pot you know, so you could have some flavor. And that's the crazy thing is, like, we look at it and some of the things that we think of as being Italian cooking, the things that I go back to is, like, look at the Amaro. Like, look at the Amaro labels. Mm. Those Amaros that are family recipes that go back 400 years. Right. Do they have ingredients in them? Or are they literally just what was growing around the family house? And that right. was the dude who made the fucking booze in the fucking neighborhood. Well, that's so many of these things. Take right. Ribolito, for instance. Yeah. Ribolito was after the war. They kind of, you know, because you get nostalgic about things. Right. So they took this cauldron cooking, which was just anything that you could grab... And there was no standard recipe. Yeah. Standardize it, because now you could go to the fucking store and fucking yeah. buy onions and tomatoes and whatever right, the right. fuck you want. And, you know, but then it's looked at as this, you know, 600-year thing. No, no, it's another thing yeah, that's, like, fucking 60 thing. years old. It's old fucking soup, Yeah. right? It's like fucking, um, like, tim- tomatoes. Fucking farmers would take tomatoes, slice them, throw fucking a little piece of garlic, some olive oil, fucking smash it between bread, put it in their fucking pocket, go work all day, and their only snack was panzanella. Right. They take it out of their fucking handkerchief, eat it for fucking lunch, and they go back to fucking work. Yeah. Because that was like back, you know, people don't realize, it's just so many people who just don't understand that culture is so small. And how fast we are moving as a people, as a race of human beings, and how fast we're replacing ourselves. 
Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And when you talk about these people who are like, oh, you're not Italian. I'm like, who fucking cares? Yeah, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. I make the best food you ever had in your fucking life, jerk off. Because the only thing I've ever done since I was 14 years old is work in restaurants. Yes. Yeah. Right? It doesn't That's matter it. if you're Italian, Chinese, no. Japanese. What? No. It doesn't fucking. No. That doesn't mean you yeah, can but that's fucking the other cook. Thing. It's like, the next fucking three restaurants I'm gonna do aren't fucking Italian. I want to do a fucking French restaurant. I want to do a seafood restaurant, and I want to do a barbecue restaurant. But like when I look, like okay, I'm gonna take. You know, there's this thing that my grandma yeah. made, and how am I gonna elevate it? Really, I'm looking at. French techniques and modern yeah, culinary because, techniques. Because, you know, because Caterina de' Medici, fucking who was uh, the prince who, princess who moved to the French court, brought her Italian chefs to teach the French how to cook. The aristocracy in France created technique, right? Mm -hmm. This was 1650. Yeah. That was not, that like... Nothing was happening before that. They didn't have refined flowers until fucking, you know, real refined flowers until fucking 1700s. Right. They just didn't. And that was very rare. Only. Yes. I mean, you, like, you had think to have about, a fucking windmill to mill flour. Not only that, but <laughs> how do you thresh the fucking yes. wheat? You don't even have a bicycle thing like right. you see like some of these like yeah. like hippies have. Yeah. Like you're like beating wheat to get these little seeds. Yeah. And then and then you gotta fucking mill it. Because the thing is, like, people don't really realize this, is like we didn't have Europeans didn't have slavery per se. They just had a bunch of poor motherfuckers who were gonna survive, so, and one rich guy who was called the King of Sardinia had a bunch of slaves. Who are basically the people who are living in Sardinia? So they they actually <laughs> in the book they describe yeah. what it was. So you you and it, and it feels a lot like when you read it, it's like this feels this like slavery. slavery. Yeah. So so it was called sharecroppers. So somebody owned the land that they right. called a padrone, and this guy is literally like like I'm thinking about like the Django Unchained almost. 100%. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like who this guy is. So this guy's got goons. Yeah. He owns the fucking land. Yep. Okay. Now the deal's supposed to be. You work the land, and we split the fucking take 50-50. 50, -50. Right. 50 goes to me, right. and, you know, you feed your family right. or go to market. But I sold but, you all the fucking seed. But, and, 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 and your tool broke, yep. and I had to pay for that. And, you, and oh, these you guys don't water? do mold. You want water? Yeah, you, you yeah. took the water. Yeah. So it ends up being a 90-10 yeah. split. Exactly. And then yeah. it turns into almost like what the IMF is in a lot of third world countries, right. where it's <laughs> like, now you occurred this yeah. debt. And you where you have back. interest. So now you owe me years. Yeah, you, you're never getting out of it. That's and not slavery. Yo, when Christmas comes, you're real <laughs> fucking lucky yeah. that I like hooked up your family with some yeah. pasta or whatever Saints exactly. Day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. to like kind of keep up from revolting oh. or whatever. And listen, bro, if you got a problem with that, and this is real, this is an exaggeration. Yeah. If you got a fucking issue or you talk the wrong way to me and you owe me all this money, yep. guess what's going to happen? Me and my goons are going to break all your teeth out of your head, yep. rape your wife, rape your daughter, and we're the fucking law. There's yeah. no fucking cop. In, in England, you know what they call those guys? Knights. Knights. That's exactly <laughs> what they called them in it's England. Like, all right, so I got this guy who's covered in metal and has spikes. <laughs> all right, you have, you have a problem with me? Well, you got to go through that guy first. Yeah. Right? But there was no slavery Right. No, hey, no, no, that's not slavery. No. And then once the English fucking moved over, moved over here and we started America, then we were just trying to classify which people aren't white enough to be white. Right. And until the 1950s, 
all of Italy was not a white country. Oh yeah, no, they like, did not did, like did, the did Italians over there. Did we forget that? Like, we, we definitely we, forgot yeah. that. Well, as Americans, we're really good at forgetting that. The same way Italians are really good at forgetting their fucking history. Oh yeah, right. They're, and that's they're, they're amazing like, yeah. at forgetting their history. Like, yeah. so there's there's a it's a very popular in universities um, today in Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a book called Taroni, and Taroni is like all about um, you know when the Piedmontese took over Italy, unified yeah. Italy. Um, the Kingdom of Two Sicily had a lot of culture, a lot of riches, and and they did beat the shit out of them, dismantle the fucking uh, the the, uh, the Bourbons from yeah. Spain, their whole entire stocracy, stole riches, blah 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 blah. But the problem with the book is is the idea that did it get worse? It did. But the idea that it was all sunshines and rainbows and there yeah. was just fields and everybody yeah. was having a good time, yeah. making pasta, they were drinking <laughs> wine, like before this happened, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. No, it was yeah. a land of yeah. give me your fucking shit, do the right thing, don't talk shit, or I'm yeah. gonna knock all your teeth out of your yes. head, rape your wife and your daughter, and you got nobody to complain exactly. to. Yeah, because you did it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking yeah. and, it's and, then, crazy. and then all those people escaped to America to a better life. Yeah. Where we well, threw them into fucking sweatshops, worked them almost fucking near to death. 100%. Had them living like fucking like slaves in like the animals. South. They were living like, like animals, fucking animals. In filth and fucking plague. Yep. And then out of that grew this amazing fucking country. Yeah. And we yeah. we have all these, you know what I'm saying? Like I I I've the more history I learn about all this stuff and whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I hate it when I run yeah. into an Italian guy and he's like, you know, chicken parm and spaghetti and meatballs aren't Italian. And I'm like, <laughs> fucking listen to me very yes. carefully. When, when Italian Americans were eating chicken parmesan and spaghetti and meatballs right. in the 1920s, let's yes. say, you had fucking fascism and black shirts and yes. no fucking culinary yes. fucking anything and except for the was, rich. Yeah, everyone was Meanwhile, starving. everyone here was yeah. like, oh, yeah. we got fucking flour and yeah. meat, even yeah. though we're living like animals yes. and we're poor as fuck. They yes. still had flour and meat here because we had they, industrial they farming poor, at that point. They were point. poor as fuck, but they were still living a hundred times better than they were in fucking yeah, Europe. Yeah, because in Italy had not... Yeah. Uh, industrialized farming techniques at that time, and America had already been doing it for 40 years. Yeah, and, and, and that's the crazy thing is that when you really look at it, and we look back at like the golden age of America, the golden age of America was from the end of the war to 1965. I I agree it. with that. Like I mean, yeah. like like that's the time that all Americans see is like, oh my God, that was. Like, you could be a janitor, we, we own a house. Some, like they thought that shit went from like 17 fucking 76 oh, to like fuck 19. No. 89 that's when they thought no no it's like 15 years bro like like um, this whole world is so broken up into these little tiny pockets of growth yeah right now we're looking at the next revolutionary fucking piece of that and while you have people like me who are teaching kids how to fucking take flour and water and make fucking bread out of it right you also have kids who will never eat a piece of bread in their life Mm. They will eat Wonder Bread and fucking starch molecules and fucking they'll never have real yeast and their bodies are going to fight that because they have 400 years of fucking eating flour right. behind them, right? Like, so we've just been poisoning our body now and now we're fucking like trying to do this. So when we talk about like yeast hydration, all this stuff, and then 
Meanwhile, Domino's is trying to crank out the highest sugar content fucking product possible yes. at the cheapest price possible as fast, delivered by nobody, hopefully made by nobody. Right? Oh, it's going to be made by nobody. Exactly. Yo, yeah. yeah. I, have you seen the fucking machines they have now? Yes. They have that little, like, nub arm that actually... Stretches spreads yeah. well it spreads the fucking sauce like yeah. a human like yeah. you with a ladle yeah. instead of like the costco machine it actually yeah and yeah. it fucking stretches the pie and that's where we're going right oh so, yeah and that's to keep a price down so that way we can keep the idea of what this economy is kind of alive because we still have starvation wages and we still have all these different things dude I, i'll tell you right now man I, I i've i really think that independent restaurants are gonna go down fucking swinging oh in yeah this fucking economy we're, bro we're never going away no because it's gonna can. be valued yeah and you know what i'm saying like it's gonna i mean i think it's gonna take like some vertical integration where it's like hey man let's you know me you and yep. 10 other guys let's set up a fucking grow up yep. like in a warehouse down the street and we're yeah. gonna use all that shit yeah. so we and can you know keep our prices down you know who's doing that now you know who's ahead of the curve on that is spain Really? The biggest companies in Spain are all co-ops. Okay. Like, what they're, what they're doing is they're combining technology, combining resources, and they're making it employee-owned stuff. I've which, heard about this, Which yeah. is really crazy. Yeah. Because you know what that sounds like? Communism. Communism. <laughs> but. <laughs> right? Hold on, hold on. It's nuts. It, it, but here's the thing, and this is why I don't want, uh, like, this is why I don't agree with communism. I like what we have. It needs to be have. changed. But it, we can perfect. choose, in, but in our economy, right. me and you yep. can choose yes. to open an employee-owned factory yes. Yes, business, and no one can tell us we can't do it. Right, right. That's a fucking beautiful thing. And, and you know the craziest thing is? The Chinese government be like, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, like, it's so fucking, it's so circular, and it's so fucked up. Yeah. Because as all of this shit happens, all that fucking money goes straight to the fucking top. Oh, yeah. It all goes of it. straight to the fucking all of top. It. It's fucking right? crazy. They've, they've literally rigged the system to where it's like... Oh, they can't lose. You know, there's no losing anymore. No. It's, I tell kids all the time, I'm like, bro, yeah. you want to go make money? Go get your fucking Series 7 and fucking walk down yep. the fucking downtown Manhattan exactly. and go get a job. G fucking like, Jeff you're not, Bezos. You can't lose. <laughs> Jeff Bezos thanked his employees for his ability to go to space. What a fucking scumbag, huh? As he has people, like, and as he fights unions off, like the one, like he has the best opportunity of anyone in this country of changing our fucking direction. Yeah. Because he has created a business that is owned our consumerism, right? Mm -hmm. It owns it from fucking. There's top no to getting away from it. There's no it's way. It's too yeah. fucking easy. Yeah. I I, I go here Dude, whatever I, the fuck I want. And it's at my door in 24 to 48 hours. I literally, on a whim, last night at 12 o'clock, hand to God, got on there, thought of a dish I wanted to do, and said, man, I need a Japanese vegetable sheeter. I went on Amazon, ordered it. It was at my house at 10 a.m. Jesus fucking Christ. The most random fucking thing. That's a really random thing. Like, how the fuck do they have that? vegetable sheeter. Yeah, they just have that sitting in the fucking They're warehouse. Like, big, big, there you go. Yep. Like, at my house 10 hours later, free delivery. Yeah, free. <laughs> and 
Yo, what is it? It's 10 bucks uh, a month. It's 100 bucks a year. And it's $20 cheaper than from Corin, the Japanese importer in fucking yeah. New York. And it's, bro, you pay $10, or no, you pay 100 bucks a year. Yeah. And you get free delivery yeah. for all your packages and, and Netflix. Top Gear. And Top Gear. And, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you get to watch Top Gear. I get to watch Vikings, <laughs> yeah. Top Gear, yeah, right? all this crazy fucking shit. It's insane. Like, I look at that and I'm like, okay, he won. You yeah, won. you won Just already. make him president. <laughs> Just give us unions and make him president and fucking call yeah. it a day. Yeah, that's right? it. I mean, it's got to be a game at a certain point. I heard this, like, interview with, um, uh, oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. What's the, um, the, the black, uh, astro-scientist? Oh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Yeah, so I heard this. He was doing an interview with somebody who was talking about if you were to like take Jeff Bezos' wealth and uh, you know line it, put it in a line in dollar yeah. bills, you would like encircle the globe like 250 times and then be able to go to the moon and back like 75 times, and it's just like <laughs> what? And this dude, it, all because this dude started an online bookstore 29 years ago. Yeah, I mean, really, what we got to do? I mean, we had this after the Gilded Age, where yeah. we had like, you know, it was like, listen, it's we don't want an aristocracy in this country. This was the idea. Yeah. Uh, people are amassing this wealth, so right. we have an estate tax. Like when you die, like give it back. You you got to give seventy percent of it back. Yeah. You yeah. won. Yeah. And if your kids fuck, like they have yeah. such a head start with thirty yeah. percent of that. Yeah. Like we're talking Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, yeah. oh, money, God. blah blah blah. Obviously. Um, you know, there were some problems with it because they didn't, um... But do you remember what those people used to do because they felt like... Open schools, the Carnegie Mellon yeah, University, the, right? all these different things. They used to go and they used to build institutions to make this country better. Right. Now these motherfuckers are trying to leave the planet. Yeah. They're leaving. They like oh, they they're realize gonna go. how fucked we are. They know. They're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're like, like these animals. We're gonna be on fucking Mars. Yeah. We well, watch these like kind of like dystopian future things, oh, and you know, there's that one that movie, Elysium, where they have the thing yes. that goes around, yeah, around and they all just yeah. like live up they're there. They're living that, forever. They just throw the garbage. Back <laughs> We got like these medical yes. machines, but like you can't have them. They can yeah. cure any disease, fix a broken bone instantly. Exactly. Sorry, yeah. bro. Yeah. It's Sorry, out of bro. your price you range. Live, you don't live here. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. Afford it. You can't afford it. Yeah. That's but what the it thing, is. Here's the craziest thing is the only thing that would stop them from doing that is the fact is the, that most of them are too fucking cheap and short-sighted to build the ring around the United uh, the, the world. I don't know. Elon Musk is fucking going to be on fucking he's Mars. He's Mars, bro. Bro, he's yeah. going to build a colony on he's Mars. He's building a slave planet on Mars. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, he's not going there so, for, for, so that way those people can have a better life. I don't think that's what he's doing, actually. You know what I think he's doing? So have you ever seen um, The Expanse? Another Amazon no, show. Gonna, I gotta watch it. Oh, it's oh, fucking man. great. I'll send my so, money to Jeff Bezos now. So it takes place. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So it takes place. Well, it was a sci-fi show, yeah. and then he bought it because he liked it so much. He was like, they canceled it after like the third or fourth season. Oh, no. He bought it and kept it going. He started, um, he's probably writing the show now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically what it is, I think it's like 300 years in the future or whatever. And, um, you know, we've colonized Mars. Um but then Mars was like, kind of like fuck, and, and the moon. So the moon is owned by Earth, it's called Luna, and they have like a giant base on there. The Mars 
was owned by Eric, but like then they fought for independence and they're like a very fucking militaristic state. Yeah. And then you have the Belters, which are like these mining communities in the belt that kind of like are beholden to Mars and Earth. Right. But what happens? So you know what I'm saying? Like if if Elon Musk kind of what it played out like this on the if show. Elon Musk they're finds not sending any mineral they're not on fucking Mars. Oh yeah, they're gonna make money off of it. But who's gonna get sent to Mars? Not you or me. No. Not some crackhead on the street. No. It's gonna be the best and the brightest the world has to offer. Well, and the problem with that is, is the best and the brightest the world has to offer can't feed, clothe, or fucking take care of themselves. So you gotta send people with them. Right. Right. I mean, like, it's not like like they weren't all fucking like explorers on the Spanish boats. They were mostly people who were so fucking poor they had to get on a boat and go somewhere that was almost certain death. Right. Right. So so like it it's you know where they're gonna find everybody to go to Mars? Detroit. <laughs> That's where they're gonna fucking find them. They're gonna, they're gonna be like, all right, six miles to fucking Royal Oak. Get on the fucking thing. Go. Get on the fucking plane. You're going. Right. Right. They're gonna take those fuckers out of there. They're gonna be like, like, where are you gonna go? Like Ohio. Like the Rust Belt. They're gonna get the people from the fucking Rust Belt. They're gonna send them out there, and then they're all of a sudden gonna find a mineral. And now so they're gonna have to like fucking have these guys working 20-hour fucking days. They're gonna be like, and they're gonna fucking keep their fucking women pregnant, and they're gonna start fucking colonizing this fucking place. Half the kids are gonna look like fucking Jeff Bezos and fucking Elon Musk. Oh yeah. They're yeah. definitely happy yeah. people are gonna look 100%. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's gonna happen. Yeah, when Elon's there and he's yeah. like king and it's yeah. like safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, gonna be like, there's no other way this ends. <laughs> like, cause we know this. Like, yeah. it, because like, if, if you really think about it, that's what we've been doing as a human race since we fucking started fucking farming. Since we organized civilization, that's what we've been fucking doing. You're 100% correct. And on that note, I got to get to this Caputo party. Yeah, I got to I got a fucking restaurant. Fucking I fucking animals. love you, James Trees. We're fucking doing this soon again. <laughs> this was great. <laughs> this was literally like, I've always wanted to go off of like cooking and yeah, pizza and the story. This was fucking great. I hope you all enjoyed this. Here's the thing about it is everyone see like everyone over the last four years, every episode of like any kind of podcast I've done has always asked me the same 10 questions. Yeah. And I guaranteed myself I, that you would not do that. And oh, I, I don't fucking would. do that. Yeah. And that's why we go for a long <laughs> yeah. time because like I love when you go format. for 30 minutes, it's just like it you never like get there. Bite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's like how many times does. you have to reintroduce yeah. yourself to the same fucking audience. Yeah, it's like. Oh, so you went to school here, and how's uh, Esther's going? And oh, what do you think the the, really the nice. secret to your success is? Yeah. And I, uh, I'm really yeah. yeah. It's really not. And then you're, no. you're done. No, no, because you actually never actually get to learn about somebody. And yeah. The no, day, not like, at all. That's like I use podcasts like audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do the same that's thing. It. Yeah, I do the same I'd thing. rather do that, man. Yeah. I don't if I'm doing to... some mundane task, I stick it in. I find somebody maybe I feel like I can learn something from, yep. and I. Sweep my floors or tend Chad, my Chad garden. Or, put Chad Roberts or, in your ear. Put yeah, fucking, exactly. Like, put Nino Coniglio in your yeah, ear, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. All day. All right, man. I I'll see you, you soon. Cheers. Thanks so much for coming. Bye bye, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. We got to do that.